Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, 26th of April. Apart from, honestly, what a miserable start to the day. What a miserable start to the day. Uh, so, you've got the junior doctor strike. You've got uh, trains which aren't going to be running because they want changes to this and changes to that. You've got the doctor who quits on television. Bit of a publicity stunt. People are saying, can we have the money back that we trained you with, please? Thank you very much indeed. I'm assuming it's a bit of a stunt unless he's actually going to be down the job centre later on today. And, uh, and then with this cold weather coming in, what a miserable... St- it's only Tuesday. Not going well at all, is it? Oh, and then McFly announced they're getting back together. Oh, JLS say they're, they're jamming at the moment. I can't imagine what jamming means to them. I didn't know they actually played any instruments. And um, Cecil Parkinson leaves nothing to his love child in his will. Oh, dear. Nasty in life, nasty in death as well. Uh, a man claims in Australia he's the secret love child of Charles and Camilla because both his parents apparently used to work for the royal family. His mum was a cook and his father was a gardener, I think. And so he's, uh, his, his grandmother said on her deathbed that there's a secret that they've tried to keep quiet. I mean, to be honest with you, it does look plausible, but sounds a little bit unlikely. He reckons this was 1965, but they love things like this in Australia, don't they? Isn't there somebody in, in America who claims that because he's part of some uh, Indian tribe or something, he owns Manhattan? And he keeps popping up every every so often. Interesting. Um, Louis Walsh, the most embarrassing moment in his career. He says working with Jedward. I think actually just sort of voting for Jedward would be the embarrassing thing. A pair of sad little children who, you know, were allowed to jump around on television. And they've disappeared completely now. Thank God for that. Uh, also, um, what was the other one? Oh, yes. Um, uh, the only way is by tube. A race cheat has been probed. In the marathon, they think she cheated. They don't know for a fact. They're obviously checking it out at the moment. Guess what? She's got a semi-famous brother. Her, her brother is Arge from The Only Way is Essex. That would be really embarrassing, wouldn't it, if it turns out she's... Che- How do they do that? Is it possible to actually cheat on the thing? So, in other words, you sort of you start the race, and then you sort of just disappear off. You get on the tube, you jump a few sort of stops, and then you get back off the tube again, and then you put your, your vest on, and then you carry on running. Is that possible? I've seen it done in films. I wasn't actually aware that you could do it in this day and age, but, I mean, who knows? I'm prepared to be proven wrong. Prepared to be proven... Definitely cold yesterday. Definitely cold yesterday. Oh, God, it was freezing. And for this weekend, actually, we're very excited in Twickenham. Yeah, because it's our most exciting weekend of the year. It's rugby, but it's the Army and Navy. Or as we prefer to call it, the drunks versus the drunks. And you get the, the, you get the Army, who are all the fit boys, because they're all, you know, they work out and all the rest of it. And you get the Navy, who are the fat ones. I've never seen so many fat people who are members of the Navy. I suppose because they don't really get a lot of exercise. They're only on a ship, aren't they? But they, they, they are much, much bigger. Sometimes three or four times bigger than the army. And the army, of course, what they do is they all come down, yeah, on the coaches, having loads of drinks. So some of them never see the game. Never see the game at all. And uh, we have the military police in. And that's always the entertainment for the locals of Twickenham when you watch the military police dragging these people off the streets. They've got their own sort of sin bins where they sort of put them. And they... They're above the Metropolitan Police, which is something I never quite worked out at all. Anyway, uh, apart from that, I trust you well. Have a good day yesterday. And all shout at once. I'm not really that interested. I'm just being polite and saying, you know, did you have a nice day yesterday? I took the car in to get my, um, uh, what do I call it, engine coolant in. And I thought, while I'm there, I've had it for nine months. I might as well book it in for a little mini service for the weekend. So it's going in today for its mini service. Johnny Vegas is coming in to have a chat to me about his latest. I think he's appearing on the programme Drive. 
which has been done, so I can't tell you what the outcome is, because otherwise I'd get into trouble. They say, don't don't mention what the outcome is. I said, yeah, don't worry, I'm very good at doing things like that, which is good. And uh, yesterday was the funeral of Phil Sayer, the man that I worked with years ago at UBN. Uh, my friend Paul says that uh, he said it was it was really good. Well, you know, as good as funerals get, but uh, a good good turnout, and he had a very good send-off, which is quite good. So, um, pleased about that one, anyway. Pleased about that one. That was a very quick funeral, that really was. My friend Ian enjoyed uh, hearing me uh, talking about him on Sunday's show, because, you know, he's... I know a load of people recently who've left this country to go and live abroad to sort of forge another life. And um, I've got a couple of friends, you know, Chris Lowry and his other half have gone off to Spain. They've sort of retired out in Spain because it's cheaper to live out there. Uh, The weather's better. You see, I'm not into this sunshine malarkey. I'm really not. I mean, I've seen the producer. He's come back. He's been away for two weeks in Australia. He's come back paler than when he went. I mean, how is this possible, you know, to actually come back whiter than when you went out there? Did you not do any sunbathing or lying on the beach in your little speedos or anything like that? No? You did lots of that. Don't you just catch the sun or something? Yeah. It's funny, though, isn't it, really? Because, I mean, I also... I just go red, or redder in the sun. I don't do anything at all. I mean, I I can't bear sunbathing anyway. It's the most boring thing under the sun. People who sort of lie there and they go, oh, I think I'll toast myself. And I always think, why bother? What's the point? Why do people, you know, want to change the colour of themselves? I'm quite happy with this pasty-looking colour I've got at the moment. I thought today I'd cheer myself up with a Hawaiian shirt. It's always a nice thing to do. But the one story that gets you all going, isn't it? It's it's the doctor's strike. People have been talking about it. People are in favour of it, and some people are not in favour of it. And uh, people are worried about the operations. And Katie Hopkins had her say. I think every presenter has had their say on it. I think it's the first time in 65 years they've gone on strike. Uh, somebody does a little bit of a drama queen bit and quits on live television. So uh, that that was exciting, not really. And of course, it'll be interesting to see if he turns up and you know for work, and they go, "Well, I'm sorry, you've just quit. We've taken that as your resignation." Because I'm not sure if he was just doing it to be an attention seeker. I've never heard of doctors going on strike. I didn't think they were allowed to. I seriously thought years ago because of the Hippocratic Oath, they had to stick to it, and they're there to preserve life. So what happens if if somebody's dying today? They're just sort of sorry, you're going to have to die, aren't you? They're not going to do anything about it. I don't. Are they? Re- they're not really going to let that happen, are they? Terrible, really. Terrible. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, we've got the uh, the former RAF officer suing the taxpayer, claiming an accident ruined his sex life. And he wants £300,000. And then there was, uh, in America, because America, they sue for big bucks. And so I like talking about American cases. They're marginally more entertaining than ours because they're so stupid. There was one woman, she's a sports reporter. And they put her in this hotel. Next door was another sports reporter, and he obviously fancied her. So he fitted up some sort of camera to look through the peephole in the room that she was in. I mean, she's very attractive, you know, uh, as sports reporters go. They're sort of, America is terribly glamorous. You know, everybody's glamorous. You know, they, they really... People go out their way, they've all got big hair and, you know, lovely. Anyway, he spied on her and then put the footage of her naked in her room up on the internet... Why? I can't imagine. I, I, I don't quite understand people like that. It's like people taking body part pictures and then sending them round to people. Always very dangerous, isn't it? Isn't there a football manager who seems to have an injunction out at the moment uh, who sent pictures of himself or asked for pictures from somebody? What is it with people and pictures? Anyway, this sports reporter goes to court in America and uh, they award her $37 million. Because she's... Although I remember a very similar case here some years ago. Admittedly, the pictures didn't go up on the internet. But it was a case of a couple in a hotel somewhere in this country. And they fitted a one-way mirror 
in the bathroom of one of their bedrooms and they filmed boys getting changed in the bathroom and showering and all the kind of thing. And they, they had loads of tapes of it. And it went to court, but it got dropped. The reason being that because the people in question didn't know they were being filmed, it didn't make any difference to them. Which was, which was rather... This was years ago, and I remember it distinctly because we ran it on LBC. And so because the boys in question had been filmed, and because it was covert, they didn't know they were being filmed, so there was no harm done to them. Work out that one if you can. I never understand the courts in this country. There's a bloke here. He's a, he's a people trafficker. And uh, he's put himself into the system. The system being he's claiming asylum so that he doesn't have to go back to Greece to prison. He's a habitual criminal. But we, we've got rapists, paedophiles, murderers, drug dealers. We've got everybody here all claiming asylum. And you can't do anything. You have to put them into a system. And then it goes through thing. And then they go to prison. And then at the end we send them back where they came from. And they change their name and come back into the country again. It's happened three times with one guy. And he's only the one we know about at the moment. There's probably loads of them. Uh, the story of the annoying one, and I never understand why we seem to reward people who are... They're just the lowest of the low. And this is the grandmother who falsely claimed a lotto jackpot has now got a £20,000 car courtesy of you, the taxpayer. There you go. Crime pays. Not that her crime had anything to do with this. This is Suzanne Hintz who will fund the uh, Vauxhall Astra out of the disability allowance she gets for having a heart condition. A source said this will infuriate a lot of people. I mean, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I thought she was a piece of filth first time round. I haven't changed at all. And so it's got all the trimmings and everything else. Uh, she was initially offered a basic Vauxhall, but she stumped up an extra 249 quid so she could have the sports edition. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely disgusting. It really is. And... Um, Suzanne, said to be a heavy smoker, has a heart condition called cardiomegaly. I don't know what that is. Anyway, usually caused by diseased arteries or by high blood pressure. It means the heart struggles to pump blood effectively. Probably loads of you got it, actually. It requires lifelong medication. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. And uh, she appeared in court two weeks ago uh, on separate charges. But she gets free road tax servicing and free insurance for her and another named driver. It's disgusting, isn't it, honestly? Lottery hoaxer. <laughs> Piece of filth, honestly. These people are disgusting. I don't know why we put up with it in this country, really. She's on benefits. She doesn't actually work. You know, I tell you, if I was running it, I'd, I'd have something completely different. I'd have a different system in place. I'm sorry, dear, you, you can stump up 249 quid. I tell you what, you can go and find a job you can do because we're, we're suspending your benefits immediately. I think the moment you actually go against the grain, the moment, you know, you sort of start lying about things, we take away your benefits. I don't want to pay for the rest of your life. I really don't. And I shouldn't imagine anybody else listening to this programme does. Uh, Cecil Parkinson, nasty piece of work, nasty piece of work, had a love child years ago. And um, when he died, he had a 2.25 million mansion. It's been put into a trust for his wife and three other grown-up daughters. Um, he was made a baron. He always refused to acknowledge the existence of Flora, who's his love child, and uh, she's autistic, and she gets nothing. Nothing. In a single callous statement, this former little nasty piece of work says, having made separate provision for my daughter Flora, I make no provision for her under this my will. Um, I don't know. He grudgingly paid to support her. He died at 84. Nasty piece of work, honestly. Uh, he claimed he had spent at least £500,000 on supporting the pair and insisted, I'm not the so-and-so she's made me out to be. 
Fancy not even acknowledge her in the will. Isn't that dreadful? What a horrible piece of work. They're all at it, though, aren't they? People do that nowadays. They just sort of go, yes, I've had a love child, and no, I don't want to talk about it. And you go, well, I think you should. I think you should. You know, we had exactly the same, didn't we, with... um, with uh, Greville Janner, you know, never did anything wrong, managed to move the house into a different kind of account so nobody could touch it. And they sort of push it under the carpet. And it goes to prove that the higher up the food chain you are, the easier it is to cover everything up. And uh, they all protect their own backs. You know, the moment you've been made a lord and a baron and all this kind of stuff, God, you can get away with absolute murder in this country. You really can. It's, it's absolutely disgraceful. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. It's... Good grief, is it already? Quarter past four. And put your calls to Metropolitan Police Commissioner Sir Bernard Hogan Howe this morning from eight. Nick Ferrari at breakfast every weekday morning from seven, only on LBC. Actually, listening to that man shouting down the phone at these cold callers reminded me yesterday of... Uh, <laughs> I was in Paul Cooper's shop. Surprise, surprise. And the phone rang because they seemed to get a lot of cold calling. And they got somebody, and John picks up the phone, and he goes, uh, yeah... Oh, you're from NPower, are you? Oh, interesting. He said, I'm in, a, I'm in a fruit and veg shop. And he then proceeded for the next five minutes to list everything that they sold in the fruit and veg shop. And he said, I've got carrots and swede and this. And then he went through all the herbs and the spices. And then the person obviously went, oh, do you do apples? And he went, yeah, they're five for 150. I do cooking apples, Granny Smith's, we do this and that. And then he said, oh, they've hung up on me. <laughs> so I'm not at all surprised. I would love to shout down the telephone at these people. I like the idea that uh, they're going to be made illegal. I always thought they were illegal. I always thought they were illegal. And uh, shout obscenities down the phone at them. Shout obscenities down the phone. But just be careful, because what they do is they tell you where they're from, and you think it's a big company. It turns out they're not. 90% are crooks, OK? 90% are crooks. So just put the phone down. It's like chuggers in the street. A quick knee in the nether regions. They don't bother you ever again. You know, this legalised begging. Hello, do you want to say gay whales in Somalia? Not really, no. I really don't. A friend of mine said, he said, I want to go and hear what, the, what they talk about. I said, well, I'll tell you what, you stand there. I'll come and join you. And then when, when the bloke goes, can I help you? And I go, no, I'm just standing on the pavement listening to your spiel. And he goes, well, I'm talking to this person. And then this person, of course, I know. And they'll turn around and say, I don't mind him listening. I guarantee you they'll walk away from it. Because uh, all, they, all they want to do is part you from your money or your credit card or your phone number. That's what they're looking for. Anyway, Nick Ferrari at breakfast. You can tell it's one of my beefs, can't you? Junior doctors in England will undertake a full walkout. And, uh, and on Wednesday as well. Refusing to provide emergency care for the first time, I think in about 65 years. The health secretary, Jeremy Hunt, will join Nick to appeal to junior doctors to call off the strike. It'd be nice to see him, actually. The Hillsborough inquest delivers its verdict following two years of hearings. We'll look ahead. And the UK's top cops, Sir Bernard Hogan Howe, takes your calls. That's Nick and the team from Seven. After the morning news with Lisa Aziz, Rupert Myers, the barrister, commentator and pundit, will be looking at the papers. I hope nobody dies as a result of the junior doctors going on strike. I really do, because I think that would be absolutely tragic. Absolutely tragic. So I was watching a programme on the television the other day, and it was one of these history programmes where they were talking about the uh, successor... Uh, to Edward. Uh, this is the great-granddaughter of Henry VII through his younger daughter, Mary. And it's Lady Jane Grey, who was also known as Lady Jane Dudley. And it was all terribly, terribly confusing. When the 15-year-old king lay dying in June 1553, they nominated Jane as a successor to the crown. She was about the same age. And she said, listen, it's, it's not my right. I don't want to. 
I don't want to uh, to be queen. And they started to go through there, uh, people sort of announcing in the City of London that she was going to be queen and all the rest of it. Uh, anyway, she, it, it turned out that she didn't, she didn't want to go there. And she was imprisoned in the Tower of London. She was very young. She was very, very young. I, th- I forget how old she was when she died. It, it could have been as young as 17. And, uh, and I can remember the, uh, they had uh, Mary, who was queen. Now that's, I think that's, that was yeah, Mary on, I think about the 19th of July, 1553. Jane was convicted of high treason, which carried a sentence of death, although her life was initially spared. And so they thought, oh, well, that's going to be OK. It'll just sort of disappear. Unfortunately, it didn't happen because there was a rebellion against Queen Mary's plans to marry Philip of Spain. And the death sentence, much against everybody's better uh, wishes, was uh, deemed to go ahead for Jane and her husband. And uh, they sort of, at the time, she went to the scaffold inside the Tower of London. She was very young. Can you move the page down a bit, actually? Just so you can see her... uh, the, sort of the execution, which was the uh, which was the preferred method of treatment in this country. So Jane and Lord Guilford Dudley both charged with high treason, uh, together with two of Dudley's brothers and the former Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer. Uh, the picture, which you'll remember because it's hanging in the National Gallery here, is of Lady Jane Grey being executed in a private cell. Uh, she was there with her lady in waiting. And uh, there was a block and there was straw on the floor. Now, of course, it wasn't like that at all. She was uh, she was outside. She was outside. She was taken uh, out to Tower Green, inside the tower, to be beheaded. And she was she was very young. I'm pretty certain uh, that she was 16, 16, which, you know, when you think about it nowadays and what they'd made her do is that she was in one of the houses there imprisoned. She couldn't go anywhere. And she watched the body of her husband coming back. So there was a horse in the cart. He was executed outside. Uh, and in fact, if you go to the Tower of London, over the road from it, there's, and you can miss it completely, there is just a square. And it's got lots of names around the outside. And that's where they did the public executions. He was executed there, brought back into the Tower, which literally was two minutes away on a horse and cart, uh, past her. So she saw his body coming back. Then she was led out at the age of 16. I mean, according to the account of her execution, given in the chronicles of Queen Jane and two years of Queen Mary, uh, she gave a speech when she ascended the scaffold, because she would have been in this house at 16, at 16 years old, you know, very brave, inside there, watching them building the scaffold for her execution, thinking this is some ghastly nightmare. And she, she said as follows, she said, good people, because there was always an audience, Uh, I am come hither to die, and by a law I am condemned to the same. The fact indeed against the Queen's Highness was unlawful, and the consenting thereunto by me, but touching, they all spoke like this, it was a mad language, the procurement and desire thereof me and my behalf, I do wash my hands thereof in innocency before God and the face of you good Christian people. She then did Psalm 51, and uh, she referred to her head, and she said, will you take it off before I lay me down. And the axe man said, uh, no, madam. She then blindfolded herself. She failed to find the block with her hands. And this is where it was all well, well documented. And, and she cried out, where, uh, where is it? Where is it? She thought she was going to be beheaded without putting her head on the block. And uh, I think it was the deputy lieutenant of the tower helped her find her way. And then she spoke her last words, which were the Lord's into thy hands. 
I command my spirit. And she's buried in the chapel of St Peter ad Vincula in the north side of Tower Green, which is in fact where most of the people were executed there. But it was the fact that she was only 16. And in those days, they just made up all sorts of trumped-up old charges. She didn't want to be queen at all. She knew it wasn't her right. But I was watching this on the television this morning, and I was looking at the, uh, you know, at the... I mean, she actually, she I suppose, convicted herself because she wrote a letter where she signed it as Jane the Queen. And, of course, that was then high treason. And so there was only one sentence, and the sentence was beheading. So, all very sad, but it's, it's only when you check the age of these people, you suddenly realise that, you know, life expectancy wasn't brilliant in those days, mind you, not if you were a member of the royal family. But it was interesting that the picture that was painted, which is hanging in the, uh, the gallery just down here in Trafalgar Square, of course bears no resemblance to where she was executed. She was executed outside. They're not sure in the Tower of London, because I've been there a number of times, and they do say, we think this is the spot where, where the block was, but they're not totally convinced it could have been anywhere in a in a number of places but very near the church and that was it so she went to her her sort of execution quite brave actually quite brave really did 84850 steve at i do like history programs about london i don't like sort of repeating the uh, the gory side i told you the other day about sir walter raleigh who was beheaded much against everybody's wishes but they they beheaded him and uh, and they gave his head to his wife you know, which is what they, they would normally do in those days, or put it back on the body again. And so uh, his head was given to the wife. She kept it with her until she died, and then it went to join his body in a church called St Margaret's. Is it? Yeah, St Margaret's in London. I don't even know where St Margaret's is. But very interesting. Let me just have a quick slurp of my... Uh, mm. Mm. Love a cup of coffee. I'm sure it's not good for you. A friend of mine, John, has got to go in. He's got this sleep apnea thing. And so they booked him into hospital for 24 hours and he'll be going in and they'll monitor him because he he slept for 13 hours the other day. Now, there might be many of you listening who are thinking, God, I'd love to sleep for 13 hours. Uh, He sleeps for 13 hours. He can't remember half the things he does. Uh, Now, he woke up the other week and uh, all his bedding was on the floor, but he can't remember getting up and moving the bedding or anything like that. It was all a bit bit bizarre. So they're going to put him in, but they've said to him, no alcohol, no, no... No food, really, I think, beforehand, and certainly no caffeine. So any fizzy drinks are out, any coffee and tea is out. Well, he thrives on cups of coffee. I think he's not allowed to smoke either, so they can monitor him, and then they'll see what happens when he's asleep, because he goes into this deep sleep in which you can, you know, people get starved of oxygen. Anyway, he's dreading it, absolutely dreading it, which you would. After I had my stents put in... They then let you go to bed, but they don't let you go to sleep. So you're connected up to the cardiac machine. You know, they've got a nurse who's got these sticky pads, and you've got about ten stuck all over your body. Very attractive, you know, I should have taken a picture of it. And um, and every time I nodded off, they came out and said, Stephen, wake up. Said, oh, just go away, just let me sleep, for God's sake. So all I wanted to do was sleep in the hospital. I could, I, as I say, I could, I could sleep on a motorway bridge. Wouldn't make the slightest difference to me. It was the fact they kept waking me up which was the bit that uh, really, really annoyed me. Really annoyed me. Uh, I've got a book by Jim uh, Steinmeier, says Rod. And uh, it's called Hiding the Elephant, which you're welcome to. It's been around for ages, actually. It's a relatively new book. 
and uh, it's of no interest to me because I already have Hiding the Elephant. I bought it years ago, years ago. Uh, something else. Oh, over in, where was it? The place where two people have just been butchered uh, because it seems to be uh, run by ISIS. And uh, the people, I think, in Bangladesh, where homosexuality is illegal, uh, who've, um, who've actually uh, been macheted to death because they're gay. They were openly gay. And apparently it's not uh, it's not permitted. And so they, they were trying to set the bound. You find, find it difficult to believe, don't you, that in this day and age, in 2016, that there are places in the world where homosexuality, homosexuality is still illegal. They must be so backwards. So backwards. LBC News time. It's 4.30 with the latest headlines for you this morning. It's Charles Rowe. Junior doctors in... Leading Britain's conversation. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. There was a, a bloke in the papers today, and uh, he worked for Vodafone. I don't think it actually makes any difference uh, where it was that he worked, but he was obviously terribly depressed because he's taken his own life. And what he's done is he's gone onto this uh, this restaurant in town where um, apparently another five or six other people have also climbed over and taken their own life. There's no reason for him to take his own life, because he just said he was sort of fed up with uh, everything. He wasn't drunk. He didn't have any uh, drugs in his body or anything like that. He just said he'd had enough. He didn't think that the future looked particularly bright. He didn't uh, He didn't sort of want to do anything at all. He just wanted to, to jump off a building and end his life. He felt that, that dreadful about it. So he's now the sixth diner to have done it. His name was Michael Halligan. He was only 29. And uh, he drafted messages on his phone saying, I'm bored of life. Even the future possibilities disinterest me. Nobody's fault. Nothing could be done to change it. I no longer try to adapt myself to others. I'm not made for this world. I've cracked. He'd gone alone to this uh, restaurant at around 10 to 3. He ordered food and he headed out to the terrace at about 4pm. He was captured sitting in the background of a photo taken of a family having a meal. Then he went outside. He climbed over the two metre fence and plunged to his death. I mean, I I never understand it either. You would have thought, you know, perhaps he was depressed, had a history of depression. No, nothing at all. Nothing at all. And uh, he fell to the ground and there was nothing that anybody could do. He was dead when he hit the ground. Uh, Tests showed he had no drugs or alcohol in his system. He suffered fatal head injuries. I mean, it must just be absolutely... Imagine if you're one of the people who's walking along the pavement. All of a sudden somebody falls out of the sky. And uh, it can't be long before they need to sort something out with this restaurant. You'd thought putting up a two-metre fence would have stopped people, but apparently not. Perhaps they need to just sort of close it off or sort of make it go like a roof over the top and just leave the, the middle bit open, because this six people have now committed suicide there. I mean, it's just, you know, I always thought years ago that if somebody commits suicide, it's because the balance of their mind is disturbed. But he just, it was nothing. It was, he just, you know, just don't see any future. Nothing, nobody else's fault. Just, you know, just not really interested. And that was that. And then, and felt that compelled to do something like that. I don't know why he'd want to do it. There's always something worth living for. Always something worth living for. It's, 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 it's never as bad as you, uh, as you think it is. It's always just, you know, you think, but who are their friends? Who are these people? You know, can, can people not talk to them? I feel very sorry. I mean, you know, as you probably heard with um, with James O'Brien, he gets uh, trolled. 
you know, like anybody in the media does nowadays, from people who are very sad and lonely. And they're, they're probably similar sort of people, people who haven't got any friends, they've got nobody to talk to, nobody to look after them, they just sit there in front of their computers, like the people, you remember that woman who trolled them at cans, uh, the woman who threw the cat in the dustbin, they're all out there, there's something the matter with them. They've got quite a few screws loose. And so it's, it's just immensely... It's immensely sad, really, but there's nothing you can do for them. They're, they're probably happier if they weren't here anyway. But then you think, you know, have you got nobody to talk to? And the answer is they haven't. I don't think we've ever met an internet troll yet who's actually got any friends. They're all terribly lonely people. Not their fault. They just, they just don't make friends. Uh, you know, they, they tend to think the world owes them a living. They can't be bothered to get off their bums and get out there and do something. So they decide to write to people because they're, they're, they're jealous. They're obviously jealous of everything that everybody else has got. And, and I never understand. I really don't understand jealousy at all. I, I, really, I, I could never understand jealousy in people. I've never ever thought about why you would be jealous of somebody. I remember somebody writing me saying, oh, you must be jealous because so-and-so's got a, a bigger house than you or a better car. And I'm, why would I be jealous? Why would I be jealous? You know, I've, I've got everything. Absolutely everything. You know, perfect listeners. Well, some of them. 99.9%. There's obviously the odd 1% who are a bit screwy. But then, you know, we don't bother with them because ever since somebody told me how you delete people, you just you just send them away. But they carry on writing to themselves, which is quite sweet, actually. You'd think they'd have realised by now that nobody actually is interested. And James O'Brien was thinking of doing a book. I quite like the idea of doing a book, putting these people in there. Be a good idea, wouldn't it? I see that uh, Prince Harry was in the papers. What was he in the papers about? Did he do something? He did Anzac Day yesterday. I wonder what was going on. I walked out the building yesterday at seven, and as I walk out, a car pulls up next to the hotel there, and these men in uniform get out. And I thought, it's about five to seven. Where on earth are they going? They were going into the hotel. And, of course, they'd been to this early thing where Prince Harry obviously got out of bed very early for, for a change. And, uh, and then it turns out that Prince Charles, who was he very friendly with, which they've kept covered up for ages. I'm here to tell you, Charles, very, very friendly uh, with the woman who ran Kids Company. Now, of course, distances himself like there's no tomorrow. And so they don't, uh, they don't, they don't talk about it at all. They don't talk about the fact that he took Harry down there because Harry apparently had done drink and drugs and he took him down there to show him just what could be done. And uh, that uh, Camilla, I wonder how she's surviving at the moment with no income. That's very interesting, isn't it? Perhaps the papers should be investigating that one. I never liked her in the first place. I always thought there was something odd about her. And I was proven right. I was proven right. I quite like it when I'm proven right. I think it's a good idea. St Margaret's Church, apparently, is uh, next to Westminster Abbey. Oh, right. That's St Margaret's, is the Church of the House of Parliament. Oh, right. Well, that I didn't know. You've told me something I didn't know, actually. I really had no idea. Uh, Stars near the moon, Saturn and Mars, says Alan. All right. Why would you be telling me that? And uh, and Judy says uh, there's a, a show coming up, actually. The 80s hitmakers Cutting Crew have joined Blurred Vision to perform the latter's hit rate remake of Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall. Wow. Which sounds quite exciting, doesn't it? I quite like the idea of that. I used to love that, another brick in the wall. I remember listening to Pink Floyd years ago, and I, money I loved, and I loved all their stuff. Loved all of it. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. There's a builder, and he's been told to pull down a playroom on stilts. It's a ghastly structure. And this is Matt Wayborn. He spent two months and 800 quid putting up the shed on stilts for Lily, age seven. It's 15 feet tall. 
and uh, it's got a balcony, windows and two ladders. It's so big it doesn't need to sit in a tree, but he's been ordered to tear it down by Herefordshire Council because he didn't apply for planning permission. He's a building worker, Mr Wayborne from Hertfordshire, who shares custody of Lily and her brother Joseph, is begging the council to change its mind. Well, they're not going to back down on this one. It's way too tall. It's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. He says his daughter always wanted a treehouse. Well, you just have to educate her in the fact that you haven't got any trees, so you can't have a treehouse. And what's the problem here at all? Council officers have given him until May the 17th to remove the building, but he's planning to appeal. Uh, the council said the building breached planning rules uh, because it was too high and too close to the boundary of his land. Absolutely. You take it down. Take it down, OK? Stop messing around, because this one's going to cost you big time, because you're up against the council, and as you know... Nine out of ten times, the council will win. If this structure's got no planning permission, and to be honest with you, you could effectively live in it, you'll take it down as you're told, OK? Otherwise, they'll come round and give you a slap on the back of your legs. Uh, the Mrs Jones soul singer, as we reported yesterday, died. That was Billy Paul. And um, I thought that was a great song. Great song. Everybody loved it. Me and Mrs Jones. It was always the one that got people onto the dance floor. And uh, if you're going out to, um, to Thailand, be warned. Uh, in Patea which is uh, south of Bangkok, ladyboys are mugging tourists. Now, I warn you this now because I saw a television programme a short while ago and some of these Thai ladyboys are really rough. They're really rough. They've got nothing to lose and they thieve off people. The difference being the Thai police protect them. The Thai police protect them. So be warned if you're going out there. The police say they receive similar complaints daily from Patea and Phuket, they said, we advise tourists to be very careful about who they speak to late at night and avoid uh, being out alone because the Thai lady boys, far from being all very glamorous, many of them are street thieves and they will think nothing of, of robbing and attacking people. So be warned. I only warn you now because it was on this uh, television programme. Now the police have issued a warning as well because it's obviously got out of hand. Uh, other stories, Catherine Jenkins, like Catherine Jenkins. And who's this? Uh, Matt Damon paid a visit to a, a pub in Hertfordshire. He downed four pints of Guinness over three hours before setting off in his private jet from Luton Airport, which is ten miles away. But he did leave a £70 tip, and he posed for a picture as well. £70 tip, that's good, isn't it? I like the idea, I like the idea of leaving a £70 tip. I think, although, to be honest with you, I think, you know... Uh, some of these places should actually pay the le the, the decent living wage. Uh, somebody's talking here. My hand is shaking. It's a symptom of what's technically known as a tremor. Most people have a degree of tremor. And if you can see this, if you hold a piece of paper in your hands, it will flutter very slightly, which is normal. When it gets more severe, uh, it's called essential tremor. And it basically affects up to 5% of people, typically seen in hands and arms, so some people may find their head, trunk and leg shake too. I can get leg shaking as well. I can get leg shaking and hand shaking. I mean, to be honest with you, it looks a bit like St Vitus's dance once you, once you go on. Uh, typically, they, they provide a drug which works blocking the action of hormones, adrenaline and noradrenaline on muscle fibres. Oh, right. I quite like the sound of that, actually. I must... Um, I should have a try to that one. I shall hang on to that. Because I've got friends of mine always going, that handshaking's getting a bit bad. And, and you look at it, and sometimes... I don't notice it. But strangely enough, other people have noticed it here in the building. So we'll be, uh, we'll be looking through that one. Looking through that one, I think, later on today. I like it when you go through the papers and you find little things as well. Oh, you see lots of adverts in the papers for... Uh, don't get your dentistry done here. Get it done abroad. 
And if you, if you get it done abroad, you can save a small fortune. Well, there's one particular lady. She spent about £9,500. She's a widow. And she went abroad and uh, she's had a dreadful experience. Dreadful experience in, in Hungary. Not so great at all. I mean, really not so great. So she's very upset. Gary Lineker. Oh, he's a dreary bore, isn't he? Honestly, Gary Lineker. There's something about it. He's in one of the papers today. What's he saying in the paper? Wait a minute. Let me try. Oh, that's right. He's sort of complaining bitterly that uh, divorce is very expensive. Well, for buffoons like you. He's, I think he's really tight. I think he must be... He's complaining how much... Um, how much all the lawyers charge. Well, don't get married in the first place then, mate. You know, if you can't make your marriage last, don't start whinging afterwards. That's just stupid. And then he comes up with the fact that crisps are harmless. He says he eats about five packets a week and he's blamed obesity on a lack of exercise. He says, um, how do crisps harm people? It's all about a balanced diet. Anything can harm you if you do things in excess. He's not bright, is he, really? Bless his heart. He doesn't. I mean, he doesn't. know. He's only a former footballer. But uh, anyway, the National Obesity Forum have criticised him as irresponsible. Research has shown that crisps and the humble potato, which also merits Mr Lineker's praise, are the two foodstuffs that result in most weight gain over the years. But of course, that's how he earns his living, isn't it? He takes the old golden shilling. It was like the other day, uh, Anthea Turner complaining about describing her marriage as like slavery. And on the free podcast yesterday, I said, like slavery? Excuse me, is she the world's stupidest woman? She's writing a book on telling you, again, patronising Anthea, Princess Tippitoes, telling you how to survive divorce. And the answer is, make sure you've got uh, an old man who's made a load of business, a load of money. And then she was living in a £10 million house, then a £5 million house, but uh, not doing too badly at all. So basically, looking down at you poor peasants again. A bit like Hermes yesterday. Do you remember the story of the bag that you can't buy because you ought to be super, super A-list? So the more expensive they make it the more people like uh, Vic Beckham want it, because that's apparently a status symbol. You know, can you imagine years ago when her old man was taking her to school in the second-hand roles because he was an electrician, going, uh, yeah, one of these days you're going to have a £37,000 handbag. You know, the mother, I should imagine, going, don't be so stupid. But, of course, she's got one of these bags. And they go, oh, so now they make it, you know, so that rich people can have it. I'm sure if the Queen phoned up and said, I want one of these bags, they'll find one immediately. But even the Queen's handbags only cost 1,500 quid. And they're, they're hand-stitched and ha- beautifully made so they can keep her mobile phone. Have you ever seen Her Majesty on a, on a phone call? Hello? It is me. It is me. Hello? <laughs> no, I've never seen her on that either. There's a space for everything else. But so we laughed yesterday at Hermes and the shop assistants, you know, just, just shop girls, telling you that it's not really for you at all. They don't have any in stock. They don't know when they're coming in. When they come in, they go out very quickly. And there's no waiting list. Not for you, I'm afraid. Uh, if you have to ask the price of something, it's not for you at all. And there's lots of these snooty shops. They're all over the place. And mainly you find the worst are the people who work on the makeup counters in the big department stores, where they sort of, they've troweled themselves in, looking a bit like sort of Thai ladyboys, and then they stand there. I tell you, the best place to go is, uh, is Harrods on a Sunday afternoon and go through the makeup department, and there's lots of beautiful people. They're all attractive. They're all, they're all chosen. It's no good applying if you're, if you're unattractive. All the men are standing there with sort of testers. It's a lot of campery, I have to tell you, but there's a lot of men standing there. Test... Test, test. It, it, it seriously, it's like wandering into a ballet. It's bizarre. When I walked through there, I walked through with my anorak on, 
And I thought, oh, I feel so awful. Because they're all tall and willowy and, and sort of very uh, very slim. So the producer couldn't go through either. He'd look like me. He'd be going through there looking... I was about to sort of abseil down the front of the building. I'd be going in there looking like I've been sitting outside with the thing saying, cold and hungry, have you got some money? And so all these people... They were so beautiful. Seriously, I had to go through twice to realise what sort of... I mean, a lot of the men looked like they were wearing makeup, But they were all terribly beautiful and holding aftershaves. Whereas most men stick to the same aftershave. I've worn the same aftershave for years. And so they're all there. Tss, and the women are all terribly... Hello, would you like a makeover? Even though you're desperately unattractive, we'll, we'll do a makeover on you. And the idea is you then buy it by the products. But some people go in there because they can't do their own makeup. I've missed the out time again. I don't really... Do you know, honestly, I'm losing the will to live on these time checks. I think we should just take away the clock. It should be like Las Vegas, shouldn't it? Lost Wages, Nevada. It's uh, 12... No, it's nearly 11 minutes to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Very interesting, is it? With the, with the junior doctors today, and I'll try and explain it in a minute what the strike is about, just so you're aware of it. Uh, the one who quit live on television yesterday obviously isn't quitting. It's just a bit of a political stunt. It's, I'm quitting because of this and that. And so, obviously, it's, you know, well, quit then. Well, quit. If you don't want to do the job, quit. Quit. You know, all they'll do is they just bring in everybody else. Uh, when he was asked the other day, and this is uh, Ben White, who says he and his colleagues have been backed into a corner. I love it, you know, when one person seems to speak for everybody. Whereas, in fact, if you probably did a secret thing, you probably discover most people are sort of under a bit of pressure to go out on strikes, like being a member of a union, isn't it? One out, all out. And so he quits on live television, but, you know, is he really going to quit? Is he really going to quit? Let's wait and see, shall we? I bet you anything he's back at work come, uh, come later on in the week. So what's the strike really about? What are they going on strike for? First time in 65 years. Uh, um, when, when asked the question about... Uh, what happens if somebody is really ill and all the rest of it? He said, well, hospitals have had enough time to prepare for it. And that seems to be his answer. It's just very dismissive, very dismissive. He's a gastroenterologist, by the way. Um, so the proposed contracts, the proposed contracts offer the junior doctors a 13.5% increase in basic salary. 13.5%. God, I should be so lucky. No junior doctor to work more than 72 hours a week, down from 91. Hours on a Saturday between 7 and 7pm will be paid at the normal rate, down from the premium doctors currently receive. Guaranteed pay increases linked to time served will be scrapped and replaced with pay linked to training progression. 99% of junior doctors guaranteed not to lose pay for the first three years. And that's where the problem lies. The problem lies with this hours on the Saturday. They don't want to give up their higher rate of pay from 7 until 7 on Saturdays. They want more flexibility for doctors with families. Demand that the government admits it can only achieve its plans for a seven-day service by increasing both staff and budget. Say the government's own impact assessment found the contract would discriminate against women particularly single mothers because of the increased cost of evening childcare. Good God, how many single mothers are there working for the NHS? How many people? Unbelievable, isn't it? But uh, will he actually quit? He earns about uh, about 38 grand on his basic pay. But uh, I should imagine you can push it up quite a bit. Quite a bit. Uh, so they'll be looking at that today on LBC. And, of course, the um, there's the trains as well. Misery for southern commuters. I mean, thank God it doesn't affect me. But thousands of you are going to be affected. 400 conductors are set to stage a 24-hour walkout, which begins at 11 today and ends at 10.59am tomorrow. The dispute will result in trains being cancelled and delays across the South, Kent and Sussex. Major routes serving London routes, where there'll be no services, 
including Clapham Junction to Milton Keynes and Redhill to Surrey to Tunbridge in Kent. The Rail Maritime and Transport Union has ordered the, ordered the walkout as part of a long-running dispute about changes to working conditions and safety. It's not like they don't make good money, these people. They make uh, a lot of money, a lot of money. Anyway, what they think is Southern's parent company, which is uh, Govia Thameslink Railways, wants drivers to open and close train doors instead of conductors. But I, mean, I don't actually, I mean, perhaps I'm being naive. Is there a problem with that? You know, I mean, you can actually make the trains automatic. You can actually have the train pulling into the station and the doors can open automatically. They seem to operate all over the world like this. But uh, anyway, they say that will free up conductors to help passengers on platforms. Because if you go to Waterloo Station, I've never seen so many people just standing around. Seriously, people on the barriers standing around, just chatting. Some of them on their phones, some of them ordering breakfast and stuff like that. It's all very bizarre. Anyway, the union says it's unsafe. Why is that unsafe? Why is that unsafe? What possible... There's only, if there's only one guard on the train and he's operating a ten-carriage train, why is that unsafe? What's the difference between the driver doing it, who can see everything, or one man standing on the platform? Anyway, they say it will lead to driver-only trains. And Charles Horton has apologised to commuters. There's more misery for the estimated 300,000 people who travel on Southern's routes with a series of 24-hour strikes planned for the week beginning May the 8th. It's just, I mean, the London Piccadilly line... It was called off. Their RMT says it suspended the action following progress in talks. I mean, honestly, I thought we'd seen the end of unions. I didn't realise we were all back on this one again. So it's going to be the summer of discontent, isn't it? It'll be another Annus Horribilis as people sort of, you know, train. I shouldn't imagine train drivers. I've got a few listen to this programme. They don't make bad money. They don't make bad money. All they've got to do is push a button to open a door. It's it's ridiculous, isn't it? And uh, Pat says the Queen's handbags are made in Walsall, a centre of the leather industry. She supports British industry, as you would expect. Yes, I don't know where the Hermes um, bags are made, but I did point out yesterday on the free podcast, I couldn't imagine anybody in their right mind with half a brain cell actually thinking that any handbag in the entire world could ever be worth £37,000. I mean, seriously, if it was made from... I don't know. I'm trying to think of anything that would warrant a £37,000 handbag. It's it's designed to appeal to the vanity of people like Victoria Beckham, whose company is not exactly doing very well financially, so I don't know why they ever think she's some sort of fashionista. But uh, she's got a £37,000 handbag. It's quite vulgar, really. It's quite vulgar. What's even more vulgar is they tell you how much it's worth. They tell you. Mind you, not half as vulgar as that one that old Fergie turned up with, which had a photograph of the two ghastly children on the front of it. I mean, that really was the saddest bag I think I've ever seen. I did point out yesterday, Mars and Spencer's do a bag for life. Uh, 10p. 10p it is. And every time it breaks, you get another one. You just take it back. Well, I've never heard of anybody. I should try that, actually. What I should do is sort of rip the handle off, take it back and go, can I swap that for another one? I wonder how that would work. Would they then give me another bag? I suppose they would, wouldn't they? They have to. They said it's a bag for life. Uh, do you remember the channel the Lady Grain Braid programme was on, says Tony? No, not a clue. Not a clue. I just flip round the channels. It can be anything. I've got anything up to 100 channels. So I've got no idea where they are. Could have been on Dave or something like that. I was watching... Somebody asked me the other day, my friend John asked me uh, what Keith Lemon is like. I said he's exactly the same as the uh, the so-called character that he plays. Although, actually, poor Holly Willoughby's come in for some stick this morning. Her latest programme is, again, another tacky effort to push her onto the television. So she does Celebrity Juice. She does um, This Morning. 
and she's got this other programme, and then she had surprise, surprise. A little bit overuse, I think. You know, nice, very sweet, but enough is enough. Thank you. Enough is enough. Way too many programmes. A lot of people talking about, have you ever seen anything like it? The audience at Barack Obama's town hall meeting in London. Is it a portrait of Britain that you recognise? And the answer is no, absolutely not. It seriously was. I think there was only... I mean, it was such an ethnically chosen and politically correct audience. I felt very sorry for the army captain. Uh, Obviously very fit. This is uh, David Seath and his uh, partner. But he collapsed three miles before the end of the London Marathon. And they tried to bring him back. They took him to hospital and uh, he died as a result. You'd have thought nobody would be fitter than than an army captain. But he had a, a cardiac arrest and he died. It was a great shame. Great, great shame. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, the Hungarian dentist. You know, if you get stuff done abroad, it's much cheaper. You can go to Russia. So if you have an x-ray in this country, 60 quid. Go to Hungary, 28 quid. Let's see what something would be. Um, full ceramic crown. Over here, 750 quid. In Hungary, 380. Teeth whitening. Here, 500. There, 329. Root canal. Here, 180. There, £69. Much cheaper to go and get things done abroad. Much, much cheaper. But uh, there again, sometimes you get a few cowboys, because you don't really know what you're heading into, do you? And if you don't speak the language, it's not going to help. But uh, my my hairdresser, Kasia, uh, she goes back to Poland to get her teeth done, because it's so much cheaper over there. I mean, really so much cheaper. But she is Polish, so she starts with an advantage. Uh, The train strike today, 300,000 of you going to be affected. In the doctor's strike, let's hope the cover is adequate. Uh, the people smuggler who claims asylum again so we can't send him home. It's getting ridiculous, isn't it? Honestly, the paedophiles and murderers and people smugglers and drug dealers, they're all here because we can't get rid of the little blighters. Uh, the football idiot's close shave with a rotor blade. He gets out the helicopter, he turns left. There's a, there's literally a blade. They have to go, get down! He could have been sliced to pieces. And well done to the homesick sheepdog who found its way back to the owner who was 240 miles away. You see, there is good news. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 26th of April. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. You're very welcome. It's nice to have your company. Well, I thought I got excited about um, we may have found the last resting place of Nefertiti uh, in Tutankhamun's tomb in the Valley of the Kings. We found something better. We found something better in this country. I didn't think we could actually find anything better. We think we found Romeo and Juliet's first theatre. They think that the theatre is underground. They think it's complete. They think it could be full of costumes. This is unbelievable. This dates back to goodness knows how long. But uh, I'll tell you the full story in a moment. Gary Lineker... You're proving he really shouldn't be uh, allowed to go anywhere and talk about things. It says crisps are OK. What a buffoon. Um, also, why the flu jab works better in the morning. Chris Evans, we're told, is more volatile than Jeremy Clarkson. Well, I would think that would be fairly accurate. Would you not think so? Uh, the man in Australia who claims he's the secret son to Charles and Camilla, uh, which is, yeah, it's a good story and it's got him on loads of shows because they're, they're so desperately starved of things to put on shows in Australia. What, what, you know, what do you start a show with? Ah, oh, today's another nice day and we're all going to the beach. OK, and here's the weather forecast. And it's another nice day and let's go to the beach. And that's, that's all that goes on in Australia. There, there's nothing else to put on there. You know, today uh, we all went to the beach. Uh, today we had a barbie. Great weather for a barbie. 
and uh, and here's uh, here's Mariam who's going to tell you how to do a Barbie. Great day for a bar. Sorry, <laughs> what tinnies tinnies? Yeah, I can't think of anything else that goes on Australian news. If they're seriously putting a bloke up there who claims he's the secret son of Charles and Camilla. <laughs> You have to laugh, don't you? Uh, McFly getting back together. <laughs> you still have to laugh. And Louis Walsh says the most embarrassing moment in his career working with Jedward. From the moment Jedward bounced onto the stage uh, and started doing their silly little show-off bit, the world went, oh, no, please, no, please. Please take Jedward away from us. We don't want them ever again. We don't want to see them. And they had their, their career. They made a bit of money. They stuck him on a reality show. And then we suddenly realised that they weren't exactly the full shilling. So we kind of um, sort of lost them. And they uh, and they, they disappeared. And then I think Louis Walsh decided he didn't want to look after them again. So that was very good. So that was very good. And um, somebody says, did you see the video of the people stealing the bottles of water? I don't know where these people are coming from. I mean, honestly, if you listen to LBC all the time, you get these stories first. And... Uh, Steve, I was cold called, says Michael Dennis, the black cab poet. They asked if anybody was injured in an accident. I said, yes, the zebra I was riding. <laughs> as fast as I'm riding this zebra now. This, this cold calling, it's getting out of hand, isn't it? Absolutely getting out of hand. It's just uh, ridiculous. Uh, people are still watching the snooker. Biggest pile of rubbish I've ever seen on the television. It, it is the most boring thing. It's for Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. That they're watching. No, yeah, you like it, don't you? you? Like a bit of snooker. Have you ever seen snooker? Do they have Australian snooker players, or they just have people in speedos standing at the beach pretending to be lifeguards? I mean, do they actually have snooker in in Australia? Do they? Oh, right. Okay. Do you have any famous Australian snooker players? No, you don't have anybody, do you? No. It's not obviously not seen as as very exciting. They go. I tell you what. Do you want to pop this or go to the beach and have a tinny? Okay, everybody to the beach. Let's go to the let's go to the beach and have a tinny. Much better, actually. Uh, Bob in Doha says, "I wish I'd received a seventeen percent increase. Only got a one percent increase this year." I know it is amazing, isn't it? Seems an awful lot of money. Awful lot of money. Uh, I went to Hungary in October. Had some dental work done. Saved me around two grand. Had a week in Budapest, which is lovely. Uh, that uh, the price included my flights and my hotel. I'd recommend anybody going there for uh, for dental work. And the X-ray was free. Yes, X-rays are free. Over there and checkups are free as well. Mick on the M20. Uh, junior doctors have to work too many hours, says Alan. Last thing we want is burnt out doctors making clinical errors. Well, they've always made errors. There's nothing new. It's not like it's only just started. We often had errors being made by people. And so what they're doing, they're actually cutting the hours back. That's what they're doing. They will not have to do 90 hour weeks. It'll be 72, 72 hour weeks which appears to be fairly normal, and they get paid for it. All they're doing is cutting back on different uh, different bits and pieces. But, of course, they don't want that. They, they don't want to take away the amount they can earn for doing a Saturday shift, which is an awful lot of money. Awful lot of money. But uh, whether or not it uh, it works for them, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, listening to Katie Hopkins, she said all it'll be is people standing on the picket line, and there'll be people going past and hooting. You know, and she's a big supporter of the junior doctors. It's just she thinks that you don't actually need to go on strike. First time in 65 years. The militant among them will probably be absolutely delighted that they're sort of bringing the NHS to the knees. And then you hear people coming out with, oh, this is the way of privatisation and this. It's, you know, it's unbelievable. Uh, 84850, steve at I love the way somebody's just written to Katie Hopkins, which is very funny. Being transgender isn't a trend. 
Well, it does seem to be at the moment. You've got four-year-olds who are being transgender. But you really think somebody knows at four that they're a girl? Or do you think they're just little children dressing up? Do you think... I mean, that, that's the, that was the argument that Katie Hopkins was actually putting forward. Katie Price is in the paper today. Yes, the 37-year-old can't get any more stupid as part of her little reality show. We thought it was all going to be pony. All about her ponies. You know, which is dull in the extreme. And I should imagine most people would be going, I think not, actually. I'd rather go and watch an ant crossing the road. And, um... And so she's doing that, and she's going to go and visit somebody in prison with a film crew. I don't think that'll be allowed straight away. Anyway, let me tell you the story, because this is very exciting. This is, this, is, this is our moment this morning. The experts have now begun unearthing one of the earliest and best-preserved theatres in Britain. And I thought sometimes theatres... I went to see the Rose Theatre, but there wasn't much to see. This one was built in 1577. OK, it's called the Curtain Theatre... Uh, it was the first place that Romeo and Juliet and Henry V was uh, was played at. The archaeologists say the Elizabethan playhouse, a replica of which appeared in Shakespeare in Love, is tantalisingly well-preserved at two to three feet beneath ground level. They hope... I mean, I can't believe this. This is like, this is like discovering... I don't know, I can't think of it. Just amazing. Um, they found the walls. They hope that props, costumes and audience belongings will still be in it. I, mean, I can't believe it. It's, it's, it's as if somebody's waved a magic wand here. Trial digs have already revealed the theatre's walls stand up to five feet tall in places. Its exit and entrances were also well-preserved. And uh, the culture minister, Ed Vasey, officially marked the beginning of the dig at the site in Shoreditch, where archaeologists from the Museum of London excavated ten feet down. Once fully unearthed and preserved, the theatre will be open to the public in 2019 as part of a development called The Stage. Uh, they hope to find out more about the structure. And would you really believe it's going to be there? Most of it would be built of wood, though, wouldn't it? And it would just be filled up with things. How would you seriously think that a theatre, you know, one minute it's there and it's got little Shakespeare and things, and then the next minute it, it just gets closed down and it gets filled in... They don't actually tear it down, which is slightly strange. But it's in Shoreditch, and, um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, Shoreditch, on the fringe of the city, became the ideal venue. They did Shakespeare, Shakespeare plays from 1597 to 1599, converted into tenements. The exact location then became lost. It was discovered a few hundred yards from the theatre, another playhouse from the Shakespearean period, the foundations of which were found in 2008. How excited! I'm very excited by this. The very idea they might find costume. Imagine if they sort of unearth it all, and there, hidden and sort of preserved, is a trunk. And they open the trunk, and they've got all these Elizabethan costumes. I mean, whoa! That doesn't get any better, does it, in London? There you go. You're living in Bognor Regis at the moment. You've got nothing like this, have you? Oh, amazing. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Apparently in Dubai, says Martin, they have trains with no drivers or conductors. Um, the doors open and close by themselves without any problem. They're all automatic. Well, they've got it out at out at Gatwick. Out at Gatwick, it's uh, that, that that's that, that's you know the, the the train thing there works exactly the same, exactly the same. It doesn't, uh, as far as I know, there isn't a driver on there. And as far as I know, when it, when you go on a roller coaster, there's no drivers on there, are they? They just sort of they just move by themselves. So uh, I think I think that's that's the way forward. Driverless trains. Um, <laughs> Kevin the Milkman says, you remember how Australian news went? Good day, Sheila's and Bruce's today. 
in Billabong. Oh, look, all my clothes have fallen off. Naked news, topless uh, darts, makes that look classy, doesn't it? I like the idea. I, I do know people who work on news radio in Australia, and um, it's very sweet, actually, them to make a contribution to, um, to society. Because <laughs> I can't think what they do on there, you know. They all sit there, the sweat pouring off them. That was broadcast news, wasn't it? Bro- broadcast news had the, the newsreader sitting there. He was so nervous. He was in such a terrible state with his sweated buckets. And uh, I remember that. Uh, Gary Lineker again. Oh, dear. Twice in one day. I'm so sorry. Um, and his little, uh, his little second wife, Danielle, they divorced in January. And, of course, she's still hanging around because she needs the connection, doesn't she? She doesn't want to be with him, but uh, she still needs the connection. But he's gone through two marriage breakdowns. He wants to see the whole process of divorce settlements simplified. Yeah, it's because you're tight, isn't it? That's why. Goodness sake, honestly. Pay the money, you silly man. Pay the money. Nothing worse than somebody who's a bit mean with their money. Perhaps that's what she divorced him for. He's tight. We wanted, I wanted to go out for meals every day, and he went, no, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, so uh, anywhere else where they have uh, driverless trains? Oh, they have it on the, isn't the Dockless Light Railway? That's driverless, isn't it, I think? They're just, that's electric? I'm pretty certain it is. I, don't, I could be wrong on that, but uh, it's very nice. I've only ever been on it once. Very exciting. Uh, June says the, um, uh, the water... I can't read this, actually, but uh, a lot of people were thieving it yesterday. Uh, we know that because we saw the picture of people wheeling it away. Uh, another one here. Uh, this is uh, some man. George Sanders committed suicide in the manner you described. And the note said, dear world, I do this because I'm bored. He was married four times, but he did take four bottles of Nembutal. Whereas this man took nothing at all. He just decided there was no logical reason for him committing suicide in the city. He just decided that there was nothing to look forward to. I think that's terrible, don't you? 28 years old and you've got nothing to look forward to. Good God, life is for living. That's the whole idea. You might be waking up this morning. And, of course, I made a big mistake yesterday. I had Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I'm not supposed to have it. It's a treat. You have it every so often. But, of course, it affects me quite deeply. I spent most of the night awake. So I didn't have the best night's sleep I've ever had. I knew I shouldn't have had it. And when I woke up, it leaves me with like a panic attack, a mild panic attack. But I'm not making a big deal about it, so don't don't worry about it. But uh, I sort of woke up thinking, oh, God, dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. So never again. Well, until the next time. You just get a bit carried away with it. It was it was delicious. <laughs> I'm a weakness. It's a weakness for me. And I shan't have it for at least about another few months. It's quarter past five. <laughs> Nick of the team this morning. Uh, the junior doctors will undertake a full walkout today and Wednesday, refusing to provide emergency care for the first time. Health Secretary Jeremy Hunt will join Nick to appeal to junior doctors to call off the strike. The Hillsborough inquest delivers its verdict following two years of hearings. We'll look ahead. And the UK's top cop, Sir Bernard Hogan Howe, takes your calls. That's Nick of the team from seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Rupert Myers, the barrister, will be looking at the papers this morning. I did miss it, but thank you all for sending it in to me. Yes, she turned up on the television the other day, the uh, dreary yet terribly boring and uh, no money Daniela Westbrook to announce that uh, she's trying for a baby with her toy boy lover. She's 42 He's 24. I suppose you've got to think of some way of making money, dear, haven't you? I can't think of any other reason. I'd try and support the children you've got at the moment. But there again, we seem to indulge this silly little girl with all sorts of ridiculous things. So I was so glad I didn't see it. So glad I didn't see it. I just wait for the, uh, for the interviewers on the television to actually start asking the proper questions. Like, you know, well, how, how do you think you're going to fund this? 
You know, are you just going to sell the pictures again? It's just, it's just absolutely ridiculous. It really is. Just ridiculous. And uh, somebody says, I hope you didn't have KFC from their Birmingham branch. I know. Did you read? I don't want to repeat it this morning. Did you read that? Oh, that was disgusting. And so uh, K- KFC are going, oh, yes, we're, we're, we're really shocked by this and we're going to be investigating. <laughs> we got slightly concerned about that the other day. It's the people who work in them, isn't it? Their, their standards of hygiene obviously aren't as, uh, as good as the rest of us. This was particularly disgusting, particularly disgusting. 84850, steve at uk. A lot of people tell me about driverless trains. And uh, another one here. Uh, the Docklands Light Railway doesn't have a driver, but does have a conductor who can manually drive the train if necessary. And I deliver to an office opposite the stage in Curtain Road. Might have a mooch over the fence for that trunk, says Kevin. I think that's really fantastic. I think that's really fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited by that, Kevin. I haven't been, you know, as, as excited for, for ages and ages. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's, I, mean I've, I feel like we're, we're sort of discovering... You know, Armageddon. It's like it's like going into the Valley of the Kings and discovering, because I'm sure that there's a few more down there, a tomb, and they open it up, and it's fully preserved, but the sand that's covering it all, and when they take it away, one of them, when they actually went into one of the tombs in the Valley of the Kings, they, uh, they opened it up, and they just saw things sticking out of the sand, uh, like the top of columns, and that's exactly what it was. And so they siphoned the sand out... <laughs> And sort of sent it, you know, with a giant vacuum cleaner. And they, uh, and they then discovered that these things went down about ten feet. And they discovered the tomb. The tomb was intact. Just been filled up with sand. It was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. I, I was fa- I'm fascinated by, by things like that. You know, really, really good. Really, really good, actually. And, um, you know, but the idea that they've actually found a theatre. I mean, that's just the most exciting thing I've ever heard of. And they think that there might be costumes in this. So in other words, somebody abandons a theatre in London and, and it gets covered over and, and then they, they discover it years later. And Kevin the Milkman, you've got to take some pictures, Kevin. You've got to take some pictures. I, I love the idea of this one. I'm, I'm so excited by that. I'm even more, you know, anything that we uncover in the city, I'm always fascinated by. Shoreditch, I'm sure it's a very interesting area. I know people who live in Shoreditch. It's a bit of a party city, isn't it? So if they find anything there, it's going to be uh, it's going to be really fantastic, really fantastic. Uh, Tom says I stood watching the uh, the marathon. My friend was running. We knew her time would be slow, anticipating four to five hours. We were near a water station. After the four hour point, we were told, as most have been through, the water on the table was needed. But if we wanted to help ourselves, uh, we were welcome. Yeah, well, these people were carting away packets and packets. I don't mind somebody taking a bottle of water. Not not thieving like that. That's just dreadful. Absolutely awful. Uh, Steve, uh, one here. Uh, somebody says, I've been quoted 18,000 for six implants. Well, I can quite believe that. I think for having a, a mouth done nowadays, you can spend uh, 100,000 quite easy. Quite, quite easily. You know, so, I mean, you know, pe- nobody forces people to have implants, Millie. You don't have to have them. You don't want to have them? Don't have them. You know, go. You can go anywhere you like. It's a very, free, it's a very free world at the moment, which is uh, which is good, isn't it? Uh, Mick and Carlid uh, in uh, en route to Brighton. Oh God, the weather's dreadful, isn't it? This morning, absolutely dreadful. It's very cold out there. And this weekend, we've got the army and navy. Well, we've got the army, the fit people. Then you've got the fat people from the navy, and they are fat. 
Seriously, I mean, they really are the hefty hideaway people. And uh, they'll all be drinking. Military police will be in, uh, out in force. And I think the first match on Saturday in Twickenham is about 12 o'clock. So they're going to be in early and they start drinking early, which means that some people never get to see the games when it's the army and navy because they're, they're too sozzled. So you find people sort of face down all over the place. And uh, it's always entertaining. But uh, as far as I remember, we don't actually have any, any trouble they just they just sort of go there, they get terribly, terribly drunk, and then some of them make it to the game, and uh, some of them don't make it to talk to the game and have no idea why. Kevin the Milkman says, I've already delivered there today, Steve, but I will take some pictures tomorrow. <gasps> you take a picture of, if they've opened it up and there's a trunk in there, and the ex- and they've got the entrances and exits. I have a feeling it's going to be like that uh, amphitheatre in London, when they say we've uncovered a Roman amphitheatre and you imagine it's going to be full of crowds of people and chariot races and it turns out to be a a group of stones. I mean, I don't mind seeing things like that. I like going round St Paul's Cathedral. There's loads of bits that you can see round there and that that I find lovely. I love London. I love it. I'm just just, uh, keen when they find something and I get very, very excited. And then they they show it to you and I go, oh, I'm always a bit disappointed. Remember years ago they went, we found a woolly mammoth in Siberia, encased in the ice. And I thought, we're going to see a woolly mammoth. It just looked like a little baby elephant with some hair on it. It didn't look like my idea of a woolly mammoth at all. I thought it was going to look like something out of... Is it Star Wars, where they had these sort of huge animals which were covered in hair? They looked like orangutans, but they were like more like elephants. And they sort of lumbered along. And they, Do you remember those? Was it Star Wars? Very big creatures. Very big. A little bit like Australians. They were sort of, you know, lumbering along, lumbering along. And, uh, and that's what I thought that this woolly mammoth was going to be like. I want to know why they've not found a pterodactyl. Why have we not found a pterodactyl? There must have been loads of them going over the skies. We've got pigeons everywhere, haven't we? Why do we not find a pterodactyl or a dinosaur in London? That's what I want to find. Loads of stuff like that. But I'm, I'm happy with the theatre from the 1500s. Don't say I'm never grateful for the work that archaeologists do. And my favourite museum, the Museum of London, has got all sorts of exciting things. And that's what I think is, uh, is worth it. So you've got to go there. You've got to go there. It's well worth it. I think the actual museum is free, I think. Oh, what do you have to pay for the exhibitions? I can't remember. But uh, I've been there for a few exhibitions. I love the museums. It's just something unique. The V&A is, is a really good one. The food is so much better now than they used to be. And they've got complete rooms that they've taken out of London houses, which are just beautiful. And, you, and some of the beautiful items that they've got, you know, sedan chairs. And you think, this was all standard in London. How these things survived? I've got no idea. But uh, absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And my other favourite museum is the Imperial War Museum, which was based at... uh, It's Bedlam, isn't it? Which was the home where we sort of put people we didn't know what the matter with them was. So we shoved them there and they wandered around talking to walls. It became an education and uh, a day out for Victorian Londoners to go there and look at the mad people. But uh, that's, again, another fantastic museum. Really is. I think all our museums in town are better. I think we have the best museums. And I've been abroad and I've seen a few museums there and I think ours look better. I think ours look much, much better. Uh, so the, uh, the front page of the mirror is uh, Jeremy Hunt. Uh, being elusive. Well, he's not elusive this morning. He's going to be here on LBC. I'll be talking to uh, Nick Ferrari. Uh, plus Ben White. He's obviously loving this publicity. He says, my sworn duty as a doctor is patient safety. So he's resigned uh, live on television at, uh, in protest. But uh, whether or not it's just a, a little sort of stand, he goes, oh, I'm resigning. And then they'll go, oh, but we thought you resigned. Uh, well, we kind of resolved the issue. That's what I fear, actually. I, d- I don't think he's actually going to resign at all. That would be very silly, wouldn't it? Very, very silly. But uh, his sworn duty is patient safety. But uh, a lot of people, 
are now blaming uh, Hunt and saying that the health secretary uh, will have blood on his hands. Well, not really if there's doctors standing on a picket line. Uh, who's been quizzed again? Jack Wilshire. Questioned by police under caution weeks after a 2am brawl outside a nightclub. Oh, dear. And Gary Lineker again droning on to anybody who'll listen about divorce creates hate in couples. He's so mean, isn't he? The Arctic blast blowing in snow this weekend. I can't believe it either. But we had uh, icicles last week, didn't we? We had hailstones. And so they've reckoned freezing winds from the Arctic will bring icy rain and even snowfall this week. Many areas will shiver in seven degrees, four degrees below the spring average. And overnight it'll be cold enough for a frost. High ground in Scotland, snow already. And the northeast, both of, both of which will take a battering from gale force winds. Uh, the Met Office's uh, Emma Borman says, Winds are coming from the north. They originated in the Arctic, and that's why it's colder than we normally expect. Can you imagine, why would you want to live in the Arctic? I've been inside the Arctic Circle, and it's blooming cold up there. I've had minus 30, and that is really cold. Really cold. Uh, the good news is that so far they've not closed down any BHS stores, and the staff have still got their jobs, but I should imagine there must be... Fairly demoralised and fairly depressed about the way that uh, that things are uh, going. It's not exactly going their way, but as we pointed out yesterday, there's nothing really exciting about BHS. It's not moved with the times. It's not. It's not enough at all. I don't know what what people want on the high street. I was assuming that what people want on the high street is cheap clothing, and uh, that's provided by provided by Primark. Whether or not you're going to get it again, I've got no idea. Lady Lucan is going to sell her story for the first time. Oh, God, I'm so bored. Who cares? Seriously, who cares? Lord Lucan vanished, you know, and uh, and at the end of it, uh, his his uh, wife Veronica is set to sell her side of the story. This is after 40 years. She had refused to cooperate with authors and filmmakers, but at 78, she's reportedly hired a literary agent and is trying to sell her memoirs to publishers. I mean, d- does she really know anything that went on? Or are we just rehashing the same old stuff that we rehashed before, as they say? Anyway, LBC News Time. 5.30, latest headlines for you this morning. It's Lisa Aziz. June. Nick of the team this morning. Uh, the junior doctors will undertake a full walkout today and Wednesday, refusing to provide emergency care for the first time. Health Secretary Jeremy Hunt will join Nick to appeal to junior doctors to call off the strike. The Hillsborough inquest delivers its verdict following two years of hearings. We'll look ahead. And the UK's top cop, Sir Bernard Hogan Howe, takes your calls. That's Nick of the team from seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Rupert Myers, the barrister, will be looking at the papers this morning. I did miss it, but thank you all for sending it in to me. Yes, she turned up on the television the other day, the uh, dreary yet terribly boring and uh, no money Daniela Westbrook, to announce that uh, she's trying for a baby with her toy boy lover. She's 42 He's 24. I suppose you've got to think of some way of making money, dear, haven't you? I can't think of any other reason. I'd try and support the children you've got at the moment. But there again, we seem to indulge this silly little girl with all sorts of ridiculous things. So I was so glad I didn't see it. So glad I didn't see it. I just wait for the uh, for the interviewers on the television to actually start asking the proper questions. Like, you know, well, how, how do you think you're going to fund this? You know, are you just going to sell the pictures again? It's just it's just absolutely ridiculous. It really is just ridiculous. And uh, somebody says, I hope you didn't have KFC from their Birmingham branch. I know. Did you read? I don't want to repeat it this morning. Did you read that? Oh, that was disgusting. And so uh, KFC are going, oh, yes, we're we're really shocked by this and we're going to be investigating. (laughs) 
We got slightly concerned about that the other day. It's the people who work in them, isn't it? Their, their standards of hygiene obviously aren't as, uh, as good as the rest of us. This was particularly disgusting. Particularly disgusting. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. A lot of people tell me about driverless trains. And uh, another one here. Uh, the Docklands Light Railway doesn't have a driver, but does have a conductor who can manually drive the train if necessary. And I deliver to an office opposite the stage in Curtain Road. Might have a mooch over the fence for that trunk, says Kevin. I think that's really fantastic. I think that's really fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited by that, Kevin. I haven't been, you know, as, as excited for, for ages and ages. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's, I, mean I, I feel like we're, we're sort of discovering, you know, Armageddon. It's like it's like going into the Valley of the Kings and discovering, because I'm sure that there's a few more down there, a tomb, and they open it up, and it's fully preserved. But the sand that's covering it all, and when they take it away, one of them, when they actually went into one of the tombs in the Valley of the Kings, they uh, they opened it up, and they just saw things sticking out of the sand, uh, like the top of columns, and that's exactly what it was. And so they siphoned the sand out, and sort of sent it, you know, with a giant vacuum cleaner, and... They uh, And they then discovered that these things went down about 10 feet and they discovered the tomb. The tomb was intact, just been filled up with sand. It was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. I, I was fa- I'm fascinated by, by things like that. You know, really, really good. Really, really good, actually. And, um, you know, but the idea that they've actually found a theatre. I mean, that's just the most exciting thing I've ever heard of. And they think that there might be costumes in there. So, in other words, somebody abandons a theatre in London, and and it gets covered over, and and then they, they discover it years later. And Kevin the Milkman, you've got to take some pictures, Kevin. You've got to take some pictures. I, I love the idea of this one. I'm, I'm so excited by that. I'm even more, you know, anything that we uncover in the city, I'm always fascinated by. Shoreditch, I'm sure it's a very interesting area. I know people who live in Shoreditch. It's a bit of a party city, isn't it? So if they find anything there, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be really fantastic. Really fantastic. Uh, Tom says, I stood watching the uh, the marathon. My friend was running. We knew her time would be slow, anticipating four to five hours. We were near a water station. After the four-hour point, we were told, as most had been through, the water on the table was needed. But if we wanted to help ourselves, uh, we were welcome. Yeah, well, these people were carting away packets and packets. I don't mind somebody taking a bottle of water. Not not thieving like that. That's just dreadful. Absolutely awful. Uh, Steve, uh, one here. Uh, somebody says, I've been quoted 18,000 for six implants. Well, I can quite believe that. I think for having a, a mouth done nowadays, you can spend uh, 100,000 quite easy. Quite quite easily. You know, so, I mean, you know, pe- nobody forces people to have implants, Millie. You don't have to have them. You don't want to have them? Don't have them. You know, go, you can go anywhere you like. It's a very free, it's a very free world at the moment, <laughs> which, is, uh, which is good, isn't it? Uh, Mick and Carlid, uh, in uh, en route to Brighton. Oh, God, the weather's dreadful, isn't it, this morning? Absolutely dreadful. It's very cold out there. And this weekend, we've got the Army and Navy. Well, we've got the Army, the fit people, then you've got the fat people from the Navy. And they are fat. Seriously. I mean, they really are the hefty hideaway people. And uh, they'll all be drinking. Military police will be in uh, out in force. And I think the first match on Saturday in Twickenham is about 12 o'clock. So they're going to be in early. And they start drinking early which means that some people never get to see the games when it's the Army and Navy, because they're, they're too sozzled. So you find people sort of face down all over the place. 
And uh, it's always entertaining. But uh, and as far as I remember, we don't actually have any any trouble. They just uh, they just sort of go there. They get terribly, terribly drunk. And then some of them make it to the game. And uh, some of them don't make it at all to the game and have no idea why. Kevin the Milkman says, I've already delivered there today, Steve. But I will take some pictures tomorrow. <gasps> you take a picture of if they've opened it up and there's a trunk in there. And, the ex- and they've got the entrances and exits. I have a feeling it's going to be like... That uh, amphitheatre in London, when they say we've uncovered a Roman amphitheatre and you imagine it's going to be full of crowds of people and chariot races and it turns out to be a a group of stones. I mean, I don't mind seeing things like that. I like going round St Paul's Cathedral. There's loads of bits that you can see round there and that that I find lovely. I love London. I love it. I'm just I'm just uh, keen when they find something and I get very, very excited. And then they then they show it to you and I go, oh, I'm always a bit disappointed. Remember years ago they went, we found a woolly mammoth in Siberia, encased in the ice. And I thought, oh, we're going to see a woolly mammoth. It just looked like a little baby elephant with some hair on it. It didn't look like my idea of a woolly mammoth at all. I thought it was going to look like something out of... Is it Star Wars, where they had these sort of huge animals which were covered in hair? They looked like orangutans, but they were like more like elephants. And they sort of lumbered along. And they, Do you remember those? Was it Star Wars? Very big creatures. Very big. A little bit like Australians. They were sort of, you know, lumbering along, lumbering along. And, uh, and that's what I thought that this woolly mammoth was going to be like. I want to know why they've not found a pterodactyl. Why have we not found a pterodactyl? There must have been loads of them going over the skies. We've got pigeons everywhere, haven't we? Why do we not find a pterodactyl or a dinosaur in London? That's what I want to find. Loads of stuff like that. But I'm, I'm happy with the theatre from the 1500s. Don't say I'm never grateful for the work that archaeologists do. My favourite museum, the Museum of London, has got all sorts of exciting things. And that's what I think is, uh, is worth it. So you've got to go there. You've got to go there. It's well worth it. I think the actual museum is free, I think. Oh, well, do you have to pay for the exhibitions? I can't remember. But uh, I've been there for a few exhibitions. I love the museums. It's just something unique. The V&A is, is a really good one. The food is so much better now than they used to be. And they've got complete rooms that they've taken out of London houses, which are just beautiful. And, you, and some of the beautiful items that they've got, you know, sedan chairs. And you think, this was all standard in London. How these things survived? I've got no idea. But uh, absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And my other favourite museum is the Imperial War Museum, which was based at uh, it's Bedlam, isn't it? Which was the home where we sort of put people we didn't know what the matter with them was. So we shoved them there and they wandered around talking to walls. It became an education and uh, a day out for Victorian Londoners to go there and look at the mad people. But uh, that's, again, another fantastic museum. Really is. I think all our museums in town are better. I think we have the best museums. And I've been abroad and I've seen a few museums there and I think ours look better. I think ours look much, much better. Uh, so the, uh, the front page of the mirror is uh, Jeremy Hunt. Uh, being elusive. Well, he's not elusive this morning. He's going to be here on LBC. I'll be talking to uh, Nick Ferrari. Uh, Plus Ben White. He's obviously loving this publicity. He says, my sworn duty as a doctor is patient safety. So he's resigned uh, live on television uh, in protest. But uh, whether or not it's just a a little sort of stand, he goes, oh, I'm resigning. And then they'll go, but we thought you resigned. Uh, Well, we kind of resolved the issue. That's what I fear, actually. I I don't think he's actually going to resign at all. That would be very silly, wouldn't it? Very, very silly. But uh, his sworn duty is patient safety. But uh, a lot of people are now blaming uh, Hunt and saying that the health secretary uh, will have blood on his hands. Well, not really if there's doctors standing on a picket line. Uh, Who's been quizzed again? Jack Wilshire. Questioned by police under caution weeks after a 2am brawl outside a nightclub. 
Oh, dear. And Gary Lineker again droning on to anybody who'll listen about divorce creates hate in couples. He's so mean, isn't he? The Arctic blast blowing in snow this weekend. I can't believe it either. But we had uh, icicles last week, didn't we? We had hailstones. And so they've reckoned freezing winds from the Arctic will bring icy rain and even snowfall this week. Many areas will shiver in seven degrees, four degrees below the spring average. And overnight it'll be cold enough for a frost. High ground in Scotland, snow already. And the northeast, both of, both of which will take a battering from gale force winds. Uh, the Met Office's uh, Emma Borman says, Winds are coming from the north. They originated in the Arctic, and that's why it's colder than we normally expect. Can you imagine, why would you want to live in the Arctic? I've been inside the Arctic Circle, and it's blooming cold up there. I've had minus 30, and that is really cold. Really cold. Uh, the good news is that so far they've not closed down any BHS stores, and the staff have still got their jobs, but I should imagine they must be... Fairly demoralised and fairly depressed about the way that uh, that things are uh, going. It's not exactly going their way, but as we pointed out yesterday, there's nothing really exciting about BHS. It's not moved with the times. It's not. It's not enough at all. I don't know what what people want on the high street. I was assuming that what people want on the high street is cheap clothing, and uh, that's provided by provided by Primark. Whether or not you're going to get it again, I've got no idea. Lady Lucan is going to sell her story for the first time. Oh, God, I'm so bored. Who cares? Seriously, who cares? Lord Lucan vanished, you know, and uh, and at the end of it, uh, his his uh, wife Veronica is set to sell her side of the story. This is after 40 years. She had refused to cooperate with authors and filmmakers, but at 78, she's reportedly hired a literary agent and is trying to sell her memoirs to publishers. I mean, d- does she really know anything that went on? Or are we just rehashing the same old stuff that we rehashed before, as they say? Anyway, LBC News Time. 5.30, latest headlines for you this morning. It's Lisa Aziz. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday morning. Have you noticed that when you get to a certain age, time whizzes through? There's a piece in one of the papers today that says when you hit 50, and, uh, and, and a lot of you are hitting 50 at the moment, uh, they say that time starts speeding up. And I promise you, I've spoken to, uh, to friends of mine, acquaintances, well, people on Twitter, and, and I've said to them, you know, when, once you hit 50, between 50 and 60, it goes past so fast that you can't keep up with it. You know, up until then, I can remember when I first started at LBC, I mean, anybody who was 30 years old was really ancient. Really ancient. I mean, nowadays, when you sort of bump into people and you chat to them, you go, you know, how old are you? And they go, oh, 23. And you go, really? I just sort of assume people nowadays look sort of so much older than they used to. You know, 23 years ago was very, very young. And you get to 29. 29 was horrible. 29 was really awful because that was borderline 30 And 30 meant you were kind of ancient. And then you get to 40 and they go, 40? And then you go to 50. And then between 50 50 and upwards, it goes past so fast. I mean, look at us now. We're just coming into, you know, it's the end of April, April 26th today. We're just coming into May. There's another bank holiday around the corner. Is it this weekend the bank holiday or is it... Or is it another week? This weekend, the bank holiday, is it? Oh, God, honestly. Let's hope this is the end of it. I'm so bored with bank holidays. Anyway, the only uh, way is by tube. This is a very strange story. And um, this is uh, a girl called Natasha Argent. This apparently is James Fatboy Fat. Slight little problem, uh, Arge, on thing. This is his sister. And she's being probed amid claims that she tried to dodge part of the course in the marathon. 
And it's a, it's a very complicated one, this. Well, it's not so complicated. She's alleged to have passed the 20-kilometre mark at 12.30pm, but doesn't appear to pass any checkpoints for the next 20 kilometres, according to a timing chip. Her finishing sheet shows she suddenly reappears at the 42k mark just under an hour later. It shows her completing the first 20k in almost two hours and 20 minutes, but she somehow manages to complete the next 20k in under an hour. Critics have joked she'd had to have taken a London bus or the tube to cover the distance in that time. Anyway, Natasha Sheet claims she completed the race in three hours and 44 minutes. Everyone who took part in Sunday's marathon ran with a chip which tracked their progress. But a glitch in the system could have been the reason for the obscure timings. Fans of Towie have branded her a disgrace and a cheat and have uh, mocked that she'll easily make the GB team for the Olympics if she managed to do it in this time. A source close to us said she's very upset over the claims. Very upset. I didn't even know he had a sister, so I'm even more upset. But uh, they said, she said it's total rubbish. She ran the marathon completely. She didn't cheat. She ran about five hours. Well, she did four hours. She did it, didn't she? Just under the four hours. But uh, I wonder if it would be possible, if you've got these little chips that people carry with them, they, they monitor you so they can see whether you've passed a particular area. And if it's sort of... I mean, there could have been a glitch in the system. I've got no idea. But, you know, cheating is not encouraged. Cheating is not encouraged. She was, she was running for, uh, for Charity London Youth. I don't know why she was running for them. You know, people align themselves to different charities, don't they? So they can try and actually get into it. But uh, I can't see any point of actually going in for the marathon and then and then cheating it. Not really, uh, not really that uh, that exciting, is it? Uh, also, I've noticed that. Uh, well, Louis Walsh talking about Jedward. He says actually, he's uh, he says I'm definitely not in touch with them anymore. He doesn't want anything more to do with them. Uh, thought they were ghastly, and everybody else thought they were ghastly. Uh, totally uncontrollable. I remember seeing them on the television, and somebody said to them, "Stop showing off." Because that's the only way you can you, you, you can tell them. You have to say things to them, otherwise they don't know. They just carry on behaving like the idiots that they've always behaved like. And uh, then they pitched up on a couple of reality shows on television. And then after Louis Walsh got rid of them, that was it. That was it. Their their, their career disappeared. But somebody said they don't need to worry. They reckon they made about five million quid in their career, which is probably thanks due partly to Louis Walsh, who managed to get them doing all sorts of things. Uh, Adam Johnson flew into a jealous rage inside prison after learning his former girlfriend had flown off to Dubai. The sacked Sunderland footballer, who's serving six years for sexual assault on a 15-year-old girl, told fellow lags he was convinced Stacey had flown off to find a new man. Well, she's hooked up with Colleen Rooney and just appears to be enjoying every second of it. Um, She's very angry. Because Jordan has said she wants to go in the prison and film him, as if that's going to be allowed. As if that's going to be allowed. I mean, that really will make a mockery, won't it, of our uh, of our system. And uh, frozen in time, Britain is on Arctic freeze alert. Four inches of snow expected to hit parts of the UK. They say today, they say today, and I'm assuming Scotland, Scotland could be one of those places that gets uh, that gets the snow. They've already had a bit, haven't they, in Aviemore. Somebody sent me a thing saying they're in Aviemore. And they actually, uh, they actually got an inch of snow on the lawn. David's up there. Well, so he says. Uh, he says it's, uh, it's an inch of snow up there. How lovely. I think that's all you need, isn't it? An inch. We don't want any, any more uh, than that. Thank you very much indeed. We'll take more of your texts and emails in a minute. Uh, 84850, steve at As I understand it, the water is given away by the providers. Yes, it is, to the runners. To the runners, it's not uh, it's not meant for anybody else. If at the end of it you can, you know, they say you can have some, but you have to, you know, you don't expect the thieving, money grabbing people there to start picking up 
cases and cases of water. Dreadful. Dreadful. And uh, Jim, who says, you're right, I was 50 not that long ago, and all of a sudden, I'm 61. He says, don't, don't blink, you'll miss it. It's terrible, isn't it? Why does it go through so quickly? It was my boss's birthday last week. Um, I don't know how old he was, but uh, I missed that. It's only because somebody said to me, did you know it was your, your boss's birthday? So when I see him today, I'm going to have to say, and a happy belated birthday for the other week. I might offer him a chocolate, but I think it's a bit pointless because he's not, uh, he doesn't eat chocolate anymore. You know, everybody's gone on this mad health kick, haven't they? Whereas me, I just want the fried bread and the beans and uh, everything else. I know it sounds very unhealthy, but I'm going through an unhealthy phase. I can't help it. Uh, what have we got here? we got... Uh, very uninteresting. This is James uh, Carbooter's uh, column in the Daily Star today. It's very boring. I mean, really very, very... Oh, look! It's another picture of Brooklyn Beckham out with a girlfriend. It's so marvellous. The publicity-shy Beckham family are out there. This is his uh, romance. It's reignited after he posted a snap uh, of him. But then, you know, that's what they do, isn't it? you think the parents would have gone, listen, don't, don't, don't post any more pictures. It's making us look stupid. Uh, and there's also on Britain's Got Talent a man who plays the piano upside down. He but then he's been playing it like this for 40 years. It's an act, and uh, he's been doing it for ages and ages, because Britain's Got Talent is just rehashing old acts. Don't get me wrong, I love the old variety acts, but let, let's not sort of try and pretend this man's only just started doing it. He's been doing it for ages. My daughter's birthday's today, says Maggie, born 68. That year, there was a heat wave in February, and a fortnight into May, snow was banked up each side of the road. They were just outside Luton. Well, I think it deserves it, don't you? Luton deserves, I think, any, any snow that it actually gets. I think so. But uh, I remember one year we had snow in, in Twickenham. It started off in the morning. I was talking to Paul and we're, we're sort of standing outside the shop and uh, I said, oh, look, a few, few snowflakes. And so we watched the snow, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty. And within a short space of time, less than an hour, it was coming down in sheets. And immediately the road just gets covered in it and all the side streets and then it becomes like a skid patch. So let's hope they are wrong and we're not actually in line for any snow. I thought we were going to get something on... Sunday. I thought we were going to get something on, on Sunday. Uh, somebody says, uh, marathon runners all get... Yes, we've just done the, uh, the tracker chips. But there might have been a glitch in the system, mightn't there? There might have been something that was wrong and her chip or a few other people's chips didn't, didn't pick up or something. It could have been anything, really. Could show a big gap then, couldn't it? Or people could turn it off. Are people aware that they're chipped? Perhaps they aren't aware that there's a, that there's a chip thing going on. And that's, but I thought, it was, I thought it was lovely. I just want to know who owns it. Does somebody own the marathon? Does somebody really own it? And they make money out of 39,000, nearly 40,000 people. Do they make money out of it? Is it, is it, is it a money-making concern? Because if it is, that's fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. But I, I would like to know if somebody's making money where we get all these roads that close and things like that. Whereas the money could go to really, really good causes. I would hate to think that just one person owned the marathon. But uh, it could be, I suppose. Could be. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to wait and find out on that one. I shall find out probably later on today. Uh, here we go. The weather. Should we have a look at the weather? Let's have a look at the uh, the weather. Dry, bright, showers developing. Showers be of rain, hail, sleet and snow. Some of them heavy with a risk of thunder. Oh, God, you know what I've forgotten? Left my umbrella in the car. Breezy, especially uh, near the coast. Today's maximum temperature, 10 centigrade, 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Sunrise is at 0539, sunset 2016. And tonight, wintry showers will die away through the course of the evening. Clear skies will allow a frost to develop in places. 
And it's going to be three degrees in London. Wednesday, most places start the day dry with sunshine. Again, wintry showers will be on throughout the day. Some heavy with thunder possible. And uh, Thursday through Saturday, wintry showers or perhaps some longer spells of rain with snow possible on the highest hills. Perhaps less cold with fewer showers by Saturday. Breezy at times. Snow again, honestly. Just as a car goes in for a service. Honestly, you have to laugh, don't you, I suppose, really. Uh, where are we off to today? And uh, last time, uh, one of your shows, says Jan from South Norwood, at the Magic Circle. Don ended up on the stage. I wonder if he'll be picked again tonight, because uh, this is the uh, Tuesday the 26th. The Elite of the World of Magic... Uh, performing some of their most astonishing illusions. It's hosted by Stephen Mulhern and produced, of course, by Darren Brown and Andrew O'Connor. He does more magic shows. and It's got Rochelle Humes on it, so that's, that's my switch-off, I'm afraid. But uh, we'll watch it for Stephen Mulhern. Very good magician. David Walliams said the other day, he said, I, I, I wouldn't mind working with Stephen Mulhern as long as he doesn't stare into my eyes and start doing magic. I thought that was one of his better features, staring into people's eyes and doing magic. But uh, Rochelle Humes, that's part of the other... The other partner, where they're saying that JLS are going back in the studio. I can't imagine why. What was the point? They only split up a short while ago. They split up because they said that uh, there was no interest in people buying their records. But they've all got back together and they've gone, perhaps we can go out jamming. As if they were like musicians or like Jules Holland or somebody like that. Whereas I thought that was the last thing they were like. Last thing. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. On the subject of uh, snow... Uh, Rosemary uh, sent me a nice picture. She's got it in Aberdeenshire, or Aberdeenshire. And uh, that looks lovely, actually. Very impressed. Very impressed. I like a light dusting of snow. It looks so pretty, doesn't it? I know it's not... I know there's lorry drivers and everybody else going, shut up, shut up, shut up. But I promise you, I think it looks absolutely gorgeous. Very pretty. It's a shame it's not Christmas, is it? Perhaps we'll, perhaps we'll actually get a white Christmas this year, but I have a horrible feeling it is not to be. Quarter to six. <laughs> This is LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. I found the answer to why are you fat. It's not enough sleep. Apparently, if you have enough sleep... Uh, oh, sorry. Lack of sleep makes you fat. So if you have loads of sleep, you should be OK. How does that work? I thought if you've got lack of sleep, why does that make you fat? I thought if you've got lack of sleep, you're getting up and down and up, and that will be exercise. If you're sleeping all the way through... But anyway, that's what they put it down to. So, in other words, you've now got an excuse. So, lack of sleep makes you fat. I knew there'd be. I knew we'd have an answer at some point on this program. Uh, also, the uh, the man who's got a most peculiar allergy. He's allergic to electricity. I mean, the producer this morning was having a bit of a mare of the day, looking for batteries. I've no idea why. He said to me, he said, we've got any batteries or something, like I was supposed to be the font of all knowledge on, on the battery department. And so I said, what, what, what sort of size battery? That, that confused him a little bit. And so I said, well, are they AAA batteries? Are they AA batteries? Are they D cells? Are they C cells? Are they car batteries? What batteries are they? He didn't know. He had no idea. He just came up with this. He comes up with these things every morning. I think it's just designed to confuse everybody. Uh, has anybody seen my albatross? You know, that kind of thing. Only this morning it was batteries. And then he went mad for staples. He scoured the office for staples like, there was, like we were on a treasure hunt or something. Until I showed him... The staples cupboard. There is actually a cupboard devoted to staples. And and there were loads in there. And that's all he needed to do. Just go to the staple cupboard and pick them up. He went through everything. Seriously. He was a man on a mission. Staples. Nick, nick. Staples. Nick, nick. He was going up and down all the desks. Trying to find staples. Could he find any? No, he couldn't. Eventually, he came back with a little handful. 
that he managed to make himself, I think, or something out of some old metal that he had lying around like an old bedstead. Bed, beds, uh, bedstead. Anyway, I, I like the next story. I like this story. And the reason I like it is because it would be my answer to it. And it's um, a single mother. I don't know if that's got anything to do with this story or any relevance. But um, she was fined over a £1,000 uh, as part of her part in an £8,000 fraud. She's a crook. Her name is Whitney Vary. She appeared in court alongside her teenage brother, Abraham, who was sentenced for conning a car buyer out of cash after advertising a vehicle for sale. She's a 28-year-old mother. She comes from County Durham. She admitted possessing criminal property and was fined £750 and told to pay £250 cost. So that's £1,000. But her solicitor told the judge that uh, Whitney Vary didn't have enough money to pay the fine and costs. She was on benefits. That's a big surprise. And uh, only had £6 left over for luxuries, including cigarettes. She smokes 20 cigarettes a day at the cost of £35 a week. And uh, her uh, solicitors did admit that she can't afford to smoke. I mean, what, I want to know what she's on benefits for. Why can't this lump get out? Anyway, uh, the, the judge dismissed her objections. He rejected her initial offer to pay her fine and costs at £5 a week and said you'll pay £15 a week. I'm told you can't afford to pay a fine. Well, you can if you cut back or stop smoking. And uh, so that's good, isn't it? And so what they did, they were obviously a crooked, bent family. And so they sort of pretended they had a car for sale, which, of course, they didn't. And uh, there was no sophistication. The fraudster has now repaid the victim. And so he's been given four months in prison, suspended for 12 months, in order to do 200 hours of unpaid work. We've still yet to discover what this unpaid work ever is. The judge told Whitney Vary, I mean, stupid name, stupid woman, that her fine would have been lower had she not waited until the first day of the trial to admit the offence. And uh, so there's an opinion in one of the papers. I can't wait to read what the opinion is. I bet it's exactly the same as mine. This is in the Express today. And they've said here, after being convicted of taking part in an £8,000 fraud, Whitney Vary complained to a judge that she couldn't pay the fine because she's on benefits. The judge was unimpressed by her claims of poverty and ordered her to cut back on her 20-a-day cigarette habit to save money. How heartening, they say, to see a judge not being taken in by a defendant's sob story. If she's so desperate not to give up smoking, she ought to have thought of that before becoming embroiled in a scheme to con somebody out of thousands of pounds. Smoking is a choice and an expensive one at that. It's bad enough she's on uh, she's wasting her taxpayer-funded handouts on fags, using her addiction as an excuse to try to lessen the punishment for her crime really is beyond the pale. Yes, I mean, I'd have had her in prison immediately. You'll pay, I'd have said, no, you're going to pay £35 a week whether you want to or not. Can't understand the judges becoming all mamby-pamby all of a sudden. OK, like the, you know, the man who attacked that woman and uh, he, was, he was on a restriction, not allowed out between certain hours, but because he and his family, charming family they must be, uh, go to Glastonbury... Uh, they've already got their tickets. The judge has relaxed it. And the, the woman who retains her anonymity, which is quite right in this particular case, has said it's just absolutely disgusting. The judge has said if she'd like to write to me. I mean, that's the arrogance of this, uh, this judge. I'll explain why I made my decision. So, as I say, at least we all know who he is now. Uh, 84850, uk. A lot of people send me in pictures, uh, you know, of you all out of town with snow. So I'm very impressed by this, very impressed by the, the snow pictures. I quite like the idea. Whether we get it today remains to be seen. Uh, Khalid says, up and down to the fridge all night. Um, I agree, actually. I mean, you know, I, th- I would have thought, actually, that would make you thin. I mean, I was up and down like a yo-yo yesterday. 
And so I would have thought that every time you're up and down, you get a bit of exercise, and the exercise surely is good at keeping the weight off. Apparently, they say, lack of sleep makes you fat. Well, how does that work? I suppose, as, as Scarlett says, you go to the fridge. Well, I don't. I can't eat anything at night. Once I'm actually, uh, once I'm actually sort of in bed, I wouldn't be eating again. I have had a few little... Um, a few little lapses on a Saturday morning, but nothing during the week. Definitely not. Chris says, I'll be 63 this year, but I feel like a 25-year-old. Let's hope the wife doesn't find out. <laughs> it's, it's that old Bob Monkhouse gag, isn't it? You know, um, I'm 73. I'm still having sex at 73. I live at 42. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an old gag, isn't it? But uh, a good one. In Deptford, uh, Steve, they have an all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet for three ninety nine. And uh, people just pop in with their shopping trolleys. <laughs> I like the idea of actually thieving the water, honestly. Isn't that just the lowest of the low? And Matt says, you're far too young to remember, but in 1975, the year of the great summer heat wave, we had thick snow in the southeast in April. Oh, did we? Actually, there was one year where I do remember we had, we had late snow or early snow for Christmas. Late snow, I thought it was. Uh, and it came down in buckets. Buckets. I remember thinking, that's quite nice, actually. Um, another one here, uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Let's try and get as many of these in as we can. A lot of people saying we need to build more gyms nowadays. I think we need to get people off benefits. That's my, that's my main concern now, getting people off benefits. Uh, a lot of you talking about the junior doctors. Uh, it seems to be mixed. It seems to be mixed on your support for them. Some people are saying they earn how much? I mean, they are, you know, they do do a vital service. But I just don't like the idea that they're striking. Surely there must have been something. Let's wait and see, shall we, what Mr Hunt says on LBC this morning. And uh, babies were taken out of their strollers, Steve, so parents could steal more water than they can carry and instructed some of the kids to help. Alex reckons if we cut their tap water for a week as a punishment for stealing free water. Yes, I think as many bottles as you pinch, I think then you actually get that... um, you actually sort of get that removed. So, in other words, you, you have the water taken away from you. <laughs> That's quite a good idea. Uh, Steve, how can people buy expensive cars and phones but no Bluetooth hands-free kit? Well, the, the silly thing is that a lot of very expensive cars now, in fact, not even very expensive cars, they, um, they have Bluetooth built in. The Bluetooth is actually built into the car. You don't need to add anything to it at all. You just need to sort of pair your phone up with the car, which takes all of about a minute. It seriously doesn't take any longer now. I've got Bluetooth in my car, and it connects up. The phone is in the... It's not my phone, it's the car's phone. And it's got a car phone in it, and I just need to get a SIM card, and then it's automatically paired to the car. So when the, when the phone rings on this special number, because it's got a separate number for my normal phone, it dips the, um, the radio down, or the, uh, or the CD that I'm listening to. So that's why. But uh, people don't like using Bluetooth, do they? You do see people more and more. I listened to Nick Ferrari the other day, and they discovered there's all sorts of people using their phones all over the place. It's just because people want to physically hold the phone, and they want to uh, they want to be seen to be holding the phone. It sounds different uh, using it on Bluetooth, but people, people are just like that. They are prepared to risk it. I see people going down the motorway. I remember years ago, I was on my phone in Chiswick. I was parked... And somebody hooted. And so I looked in the mirror and he sort of signified, take, put your phone down, put your phone down. So I did. I was very good. Uh, a picture of Sheena Easton from Glam 
to groceries. Sheena Easton is 56 now. She's not released an album in 16 years. She was very close to Prince. She recorded hit singles. She's been married uh, four times. None of them married. Uh, none of them lasted any of these marriages more than two years. And so she uh, she's retired. She's basically she's got enough money, I should imagine. There was a rumour that she was worth 40 million. She said, no, no, that was great exaggeration. But uh, you wouldn't need 40 million to retire, would you? You could retire on... Anyhow, I mean, she's at 56, so I'm assuming she could actually retire, you know, on a million, living in America. I remember her when she came into LBC years and years ago to be interviewed by Bob and Doug. And um, I think she came from the Gorbals in Scotland. Oh, there was a foul mouth on her. Oh! Boy, was there a foul mouth. I was really... I was quite horrified, actually. I wasn't used to hearing that sort of language from people. Uh, you're a bad role model, cress-dressing Potter tells Bear Grylls. This is uh, Grayson Perry. I've always thought Grayson Perry was just a little bit of a show-off. I'm not bothered about the cross-dressing. I'm not bothered about being a Potter. I'm not bothered about anything like that. I'm not bothered about whether or not he's flamboyant. I just think he's a show-off. But uh, that's what sort of artists are, apparently, nowadays. And... Um, uh, he has launched a stinging verbal attack on Bear Grylls over the issue of masculinity. It's all because uh, Grayson, attention-seeking Perry, has got a got a programme coming up on the television about masculinity, um, which I find terribly tedious. Who determines what masculinity is? I don't think you'll find anybody as butchers Bear Grylls. It's certainly not going to be anybody like Grayson Perry, is it? Goodness sake, honestly. Fancy little outfits, but really nothing going on at all. I'm really not remotely bothered. I do like the story of the homesick sheepdog. We'll tell you about that, the other side of the news. It only goes to prove that, you know, dogs are even more intelligent than we thought they were. The Hillsborough verdict you get today. Uh, British Home Stores, they're keeping the stores open at the moment. They're looking for a buyer. Will they find one? I shouldn't think so. Aldi's Gin wins the top award. And uh, Southern Trains, 300,000 of you are going to be affected. It's, uh, it's not good news at all. Uh, the marathon victim, who was the war hero, who died, he was three miles from the end and he collapsed. He had a, a cardio problem and, uh, and he died. And bitching over the boss, 65 minutes a week apparently you spend and cut the steak on slot machines to two pounds. They're very addictive. On Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 26th of April. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. So junior doctors strike today and uh, and tomorrow. Let's hope that things go uh, OK. There's going to be people out there on the picket lines. They're going to be asking for your support. They're going to be talking about this with Nick Ferrari after the news at 7 o'clock this morning when, in fact, the Health Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, will join Nick to talk about this, hoping to avert it. I think it's too late. I think it's way too late. Not only that, but you've got the train strike today on Southern. 300,000 of you could be affected. It's all going pear-shaped this week, isn't it? What with the uh, the collapse of BHS? The good news is that they're keeping the stores open until they can find a buyer, if indeed they can. So 11,000 people keep their jobs, and that's got to be good news. The only bit, because you've got the Hillsborough verdict today, uh, you've also got the uh, the man who's allergic to electricity, and uh, cutting the steak on slots to two pounds. People become addicted to slot machines. I was listening to people overnight talking to Darren Adam, and they were talking about how addicted they were to slot machines. And I can quite understand it. You've only got to go to Vegas. A friend of mine is over in Vegas at the moment, where they have a total addiction to slot machines. And I defy anybody to go to Vegas. In fact, there's no point in going to Vegas unless you're going to play slot machines. 
And, and that's what they are. From the moment you get off the aircraft at Vegas Airport, slot machines. And you could probably go to Sun City and you'll find exactly the same. In most high streets, there will be a little amusement arcade. But to be honest with you, it's not like the seaside where they've got, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of machines. These are just little tiny shop units with probably 20 machines in there. You can go into the betting shops. You'll find the slot machines in there. People who can put their credit cards behind the counter and they'll give you credit. And you can gamble away. And people gamble because they want to win. They want you don't you don't put money in a machine to lose, but you have to accept the fact it's a machine. And machines are programmed to win. They are programmed to take your money. There's no point to, if they handed out winnings to everybody, there'd be no point in having the machine. Some of those machines in the uh, in the uh, the betting shops take in about forty thousand pounds a week. That's how much money you're playing against the whole country. It's a central computer that's controlling them. And it's a computer. Make no mistake about it. What you're watching, you're not watching anything real. It's a computer generated image on there. When you go into, I mean, the old fashioned places, you know, if you got a cherry, then that was paying 20 pence or something like that. Seems pathetic now when you can win hundreds of thousands of pounds. You go to Vegas and there's a machine that pays a million. It's a million-dollar slot, and they've got it there. But it, it's got to take in the million to pay you the million. And if it pays out a million, it's going to be a long time before it pays out another million. And that's the whole idea about them. They become very, very addictive. You know, school kids become addictive. I used to play them years ago. I've not played a slot machine for ages. If I go to Vegas, I would play a slot machine. But I'm not going to stand there in front of one all day. I always have a little limit. The only way to play them, I think, if you go out there. And so it's, I think it's like smoking, isn't it? You're either into smoking or you're not into smoking. You're either into slot machines or you're not into slot machines. And I think people go through a phase that where they will play the slot machine and then they suddenly think, you know, I don't want to play them anymore. And you just kind of wean yourself off it. Um, I gather it's quite difficult listening to some of the people overnight who've got themselves into the most terrible debts all through a slot machine, all because you want to play it. And I have to be honest, I was... That person years ago, where, where somebody would say, right, uh, you've got, you know, £2. You put it in there and you win the jackpot. And the jackpot in the early days was £4. So as opposed to walking away with your £4, that, that's £2 profit on your initial £2 stake, you put the money back into the machine, thinking that if it's paid out one jackpot, there might be another one within £2. In which case, you're going to be more... Well, of course, it doesn't work like that. You need to move to another machine. But people don't. I've seen people doing everything, putting their hands at the side of the machine, covering the, the pay line over everything. And nothing works because it's predetermined. From the moment you put your, your money in there, uh, you know exactly, you know, what's what's going to what's going to go on. Uh, right. So, you know, whether they actually sort of do that, I've got no idea. Uh, bring it down to two pounds. So if you want to gamble, you can find loads of places to gamble. But just remember, only gamble if you can afford to lose. If you can't afford to lose, that's it. Don't gamble. But it is very addictive. Uh, the homesick sheepdog. This is the Welsh farmer, Alan James. He sent one of his 16 sheepdogs off to a new home 240 miles away. He didn't actually expect to see him again. And uh, so had 16 sheep. I've never heard of somebody with 16 sheepdogs. Anyway, just a month later, after arriving in Cumbria, four-year-old Pero ran off whilst out herding and days later baffled his own owner by turning up on the doorstep. Father of five, Mr James, said it was a mystery how the dog had managed to make the arduous journey in just 12 days. But he added that Pero has been welcomed back to the farm uh, near Aberystwyth, suggesting the dog must have had satnav on his brain. Oh, bless him. I mean, you can't actually turn him away, can you? 
If he's if he's made that journey, I mean, might, he might have had one of those Rover tickets or something for the buses or the trains. But uh, anyway, uh, he went out to feed the dogs the other day and he says he wasn't hungry or weak, so he must have managed to find food. He was going crazy after seeing Alan. I think that's what sheepdogs are like, isn't it? They, they, they want to go home where they are. And they're very happy. So I think that's quite a pleasing story. I like the idea that we've got a pleasing story. I don't... Because of the rest of the misery today. Absolute misery. The, the story that I did yesterday uh, was the, uh, the humiliation. How not to invite humiliation uh, at your next dinner party. And this is the, uh, the story about Lady Elizabeth Anson. She organises all of the Queen's parties. She's been a close personal friend for many years. She knows exactly what, what the Queen requires. She knows how to do a dinner party. Sometimes she says people don't want caviar and lobster. They just want little shepherd's pies and little... It's fairly ordinary stuff. But it's the people who go to the dinner party. If ever you're having a dinner party at home, it's not necessarily the food. If you've got the right company as Biggins proved quite successfully on Come Dine With Me. It was the right company. The food was, I think, the stew, and then he did a trifle. And that's exactly what people want. People want just simple food. You know, it's very nice that people are very clever with their food and very creative, and I'm always very jealous. But if I was going to have a dinner party, it would be something like beef stew with, with dumplings and mashed potato <laughs> and perhaps some broccoli. It wouldn't be anything more exciting than that. And it would be something like a creme brulee or, um, or I think, a trifle for a dessert. It wouldn't be any cheese and biscuits or anything posh like that. So it's very interesting how you look at what, what Jan Lawyer, uh, Jan Moyer, Jan Lawyer, I do beg your pardon, uh, is saying. Invites are very tacky. You know, when people say, oh, so-and-so requests the pleasure of your company. That's apparently very, very tacky. Um, hide the boring people. I mean, if you, if you know boring people, and I mean, many of you do, just don't invite them. Just don't invite them. It's, it's not worth it. Serve up sausages. Sausages are the winner all the way through. People love sausages. Um, you know, Gordy is great. Keep your cool. Just make sure they've all got enough booze. Give them that and people will have a great time. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. When you have a dinner party, have a great time. It's like when you go out to a restaurant. All you want... Sometimes the food doesn't have to be top-notch. It's the company. The company's the best bit. Once you've got the company right, the food takes, you know, a little bit of a back seat. I mean, if the food's really atrocious, well, that's fine. But if you get nice food and you've got good company and you've got nice booze, well, then you've got the winning combination. Uh, Alex Brummer asking in the mail today, can the man who milked millions from BHS really be allowed to keep his knighthood? This is Sir Philip Green. They say anybody who's been following the buccaneering business career of Sir Philip will know there could be nothing straightforward about his sale a year ago of the struggling BHS chain for one pound to a former bankrupt. Green, known as King of the High Street, has many faults, but nobody can accuse him of being stupid, particularly when he senses there's a deal to be struck. So uh, it's the money side of it, isn't it? So British home stores going under, uh, but at the moment they're going to try and find uh, a buyer for it. And they're going to, uh, and hopefully, resurrect it. I don't think there's much point. I know that seems awful. I haven't been in British home stores for a little while. I have been in the shop, but there's nothing about it that appeals to me. Absolutely nothing. I can't think of anything that is sort of, that is really that interesting about it. I don't think that the, uh, that the food in the restaurant is, is brilliant. I don't think that the fashion in there is particularly brilliant. Their lighting is, uh, is OK. I just, don't, I just don't see the appeal of it. It's, it's way too big, way too big. And, uh, and I'm sort of thinking to myself, I don't know. I mean, I was looking, actually, a, a friend of mine got a, an invite to a bit of a party. Her Majesty's Ambassador, 
uh, on behalf of the Prince of Wales, requests the pleasure of a friend of mine called Fat. And I've seen the pictures, actually. Uh, it was the 19th of March at 10.30, but at a jazz bar. And I've seen the pictures of him meeting the Prince of Wales. And he said, very tacky. Yes. Have you noticed, though, that they're all handwritten? Whenever the Queen sends out an invitation, and uh, you've only got Prince of Wales, so that's OK, Fat, I can cope with that. But the, uh, but the one, really, to get is the Queen, where they sit down, and there was a lady, and she was sitting in a little room at Windsor Castle, writing out all these... And she looked as though she had the, the weight of the world on her shoulders. You know, Lord and Lady, so-and-so, so-and-so. And then they sit down with little cards, and they put them down at all the places and try and work out where everybody's sitting. It's done with military precision. It's really quite quite something to watch. But uh, Fat got to meet and got the photograph with the Prince of Wales. I, of course, will have to donate a million pounds to actually get to meet him, I should imagine. But I bet you anything, if I donated a million pounds to the Prince's Trust, I'd be invited to Highgrove. I bet you anything. Absolutely. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Ever heard the saying, the way to a man's heart is via his stomach? Um, Well, I think it's anybody's, isn't it, really? I think it's absolutely any... I think it's absolutely... Uh, anybody's way to somebody's heart is through their stomach. It doesn't matter whether it's man, woman, child, everything else. Best ever winter started Boxing Night 1962 and lasted to May, says Tom in Basingstoke, which is the uh, the crazy, crazy place, which is the concrete jungle. And uh, Sue says, my husband and I were in Margaret River, Western Australia, a few weeks ago. Have you heard of that? Oh, look, the Bridget's gone all excited next door. You know, you, you say a place he's familiar with, you know. Uh, they went to Margaret River. You know, Margaret's got her own river over there. Very, Mags, Mags River. He, look, he knows it. He knows it really well. Because every Australian knows everybody. They're that, they're that lonely. And a few weeks ago, uh, we were booking a trip in the tourist office when the lady asked if we had any senior cards. She said, I'm 51 and my husband had just turned 60. I felt so old. I know. I had a producer once. Happy days. I um, no, and he, he he went to America. He was actually forty five, and they kept asking him for uh, for ID because you've got to be twenty one to buy a drink. And uh, he didn't look re- well. I mean, I thought he did, but I mean, they obviously didn't. And they said, "Have you got any ID?" And he and he, he thought it was quite funny that every time he wanted a drink, they kept asking him. LBC News Time six fifteen with the latest headlines. Here's Eleanor Noakes. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 6.20, please, God, they don't bring back the perm. Just because Kylie Minogue had a perm the other day, can we not fall into the trap of people going into the salons and going, I think I'll have a perm. Please don't do it. It's ridiculous. They've got lots of people uh, in the papers who all had perms. People complaining bitterly and saying, I thought I would make Patrick Swayze swoon. They've got, uh, you know, Jenny Murray used to have a perm, Wendy Lee and Catherine Knight. And uh, and I myself had one as well. It was of its time. Not Don't bring them back again, please. You don't need to bring a perm back. I know people go and I know you ladies are saying the same thing. Listen, when you're rushing to get ready in the morning, a perm is so much easier. But there's going to be sort of people doing home perms, aren't there? Which is where you put the rollers in and then your next door neighbour comes around and paints on the lotion. And then you've got to sit there and sort of wait till it sets. And then you've got to take it out and then you've got to rinse it. Oh, God, it's just a, such a pain. It really is. And then after a while, they go dry. They've got to be moisturised really heavily because anything that uses perming lotion or bleaching dries out the hair. Anybody will tell you this. You see people sitting on the train. I see them every morning. I spend most of my time staring at people on the train. Not, you know, not 
staring, staring at them, but just sort of looking at people because I'm interested. And you think, oh, your hair's really gone dry. Because if you've done a home colour yourself, you need to have it done professionally in a salon so they can moisturise the hair, and you've got to do it. I mean, I'm plagued with adverts on the television. Tons of adverts on the television for people who are having perms done, they're having uh, hair done, their makeup done, everything. I mean, if all these makeups are so perfect, you're only going to ever need one bit of makeup, but apparently not. You like lots and lots of... Uh, of makeup, and I bet that most of you ladies have got bags full of makeup, and at home you've got makeup, and you can't even remember what you bought half the time because it sold you as a dream. This is the miracle cream. Put this round your eyes, those crow's feet are going to disappear. You know, I bought it, we've all bought into it. I bought the most expensive creams you can buy, you know, hoping to halt the aging process, and it doesn't work. You're just going to have to age with it because no matter what you look like on the outside, it's the inside that's falling apart. So I try and drink water, I try and be a good boy and do all the right stuff. Uh, producer's still excited about Margaret River. West Street, very excited about this. I mean, seriously, he's, he hasn't stopped sort of, you know, smiling. It's, it's you know, a little bit of home. He's very excited about the whole thing. Apparently, they uh, do a lot of surfing uh, there, or, some, or somewhere near there. Uh, my Motorola Bluetooth device slides into the car's sun visor and connects to the phone automatically, says Keith. And it only costs £35. No excuse to ever be holding a phone whilst driving. It's one of my pet hates, especially when the offender is a pro driver, like a van driver or a lorry driver. Oh, it can be anybody. It can be absolutely anybody. It doesn't, it doesn't really make any difference, does it, who it is? But you're quite right, actually. You are quite right when you say that you can buy these devices. I've got a Motorola one as well. I don't need it on this car, but I had it on a car ages ago because I thought they looked quite cute and it's got a little thing. It just clips onto the visor. It's very tiny, connects automatically to your Bluetooth, and that's it. And that's it. But the one I've got built into the car is much, is much easier, which, of course, reminds me I've got to get back home this afternoon. Thank God I'm not on that line where there's uh, all the disruption that's going to be taking place on Southern, where about 300,000 of you are going to be very, very inconvenienced for 24 hours. It's not going to make travelling pleasant. There's always something, isn't there? One of these days, you think we might actually come into London or wherever you happen to be in your particular world and actually have no roadworks or have no cranes everywhere. London, I spend my entire life looking at cranes. What are they doing? Building. Building flats. Building flats. More flats. More flats. Give them another name. Make them sound exciting. You know, obviously we all want to live in boxes, little boxes, little boxes made of ticky-tacky. And up they go, and it's all very, very exciting. No, it's not. I'm so bored with it. One of these days, I'd love to go and live in a place like a village where all of a sudden they go, there's no building. But there's always something going on. Always something going on. They're building work in London. And it's just phenomenal. I mean, literally all around the stations. Wherever you go, there are buildings. Around Regent's Park, there's a lovely colonnade. They're knocking them down to put up another colonnade. I thought they were listed. But uh, obviously, obviously not. Um, another one here. Uh, which is, which is, which is, which is. So I don't want to miss anything out on the programme this morning. And uh, do you think Mr Philip Green will feel guilty? About BHS, when he lights up his $300 Monte Cristo cigars. Um, I don't know. I don't know Philip Green. He's very successful. Um, do you think he'll feel guilty about 11,000 people who may lose their jobs? I don't know. I don't know. You couldn't even speculate on that, could you? Most of the people just say it's business. You know, people lose... 11,000 is a phenomenal amount. But then there's all the other companies. I think O'Brien was saying the other day, game could go under... Because people now get stuff on there. We've all learnt to do shopping on the internet. You don't physically need to go out to a shop, do you, and buy anything. I can buy my Tommy Bahama shirts on the internet. I can buy... You can get your food on the internet. You can buy anything. Mop heads. I can get anything on the internet. And it gets delivered to here or gets delivered to home. I don't physically need to go to a shop. I can't think of any shop that I need to go to 
apart from a bank, if you class a bank as a shop, so I can get some money out of the machine. But even then, technically, I don't need to do it because I can put everything on a card. I don't physically need to actually have the high street. The only thing I need the high street for is a cup of coffee. And that's about it. Or, you know, a portion of chips, unless you can get chips delivered through the post. Which, of course, you probably can if you're buying them frozen. But, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, you don't actually need the high street. Which is just as well, because it's literally falling apart. Uh, poor people have perms, Steve. It's dreadful. Poor people. Yes, you do get a lot of people with perms. I think because people... I mean, there will be people who will be thinking that, you know, a perm is back in again. Well, if it's good enough for... Um, for sort of Kylie Minogue, it's going to be good enough for us. The trouble is, Kylie Minogue doesn't age. She seriously doesn't age. I mean, what is she now, 46? And uh, she's had this new hairstyle. Obviously, somebody went, listen, this is going to look good on you. And everybody else has gone, well, it doesn't look too bad at all. We'll go and have a perm. Bearing in mind, if she probably paid for her perm at a top-class salon, she could be looking at 150, 250 pounds quite easily. You're doing it, it'll be sort of, you know, 9 pounds 60 or something, which is about the, uh, about the best way, I suppose, for many people. It's so expensive to go and get your hair done, for ladies especially. For ladies especially. Uh, 84850, uh, Very quickly, let's have a quick look here and see if we've got anything very, very exciting. And uh, wake up with you every morning, Steve. Love the programme. It's the best way to do it, isn't it? Waking up every morning, I think, with this programme is kind of the best start to the day. Front pages, the sharks who bled the BHS dry. 11,000 jobs, the high street icons collapse. Uh, at the moment, they're open for business. You don't see that many people going in there, do you? It's almost like there's sort of a, a, a sort of a pall has fallen over the building. It really has in all of them. Marathon victim was a war hero. This is a man who dropped dead at the age of 31. He had a cardiac arrest. Uh, also, stop running, start talking. Cowardly hunt, they say in the mirror. Dodges protests facing new calls to negotiate. He's going to be with Nick Ferrari this morning. So, uh, can they avert the strike? Would be nice to think that they could, wouldn't it? Be nice to think that they could. Will they? Have to remain uh, uh, with Nick Ferrari and find out. Uh, Snow and wind bringing travel chaos, they've said in the Express today. Uh, Also, sufferers taking too many drugs to fight the agony of arthritis. The Daily Star, Prince murder cops called in. They're investigating everything. But, of course, it doesn't actually make any difference because he's, he's been cremated. He doesn't physically exist anymore, so I don't know what they're going to be looking at. The Lotto Liars Vox Hall grants 20,000-man Astra funded by the taxpayer. This woman seems perfectly able of walking to a car. This was the woman who lied about she had the winning lottery ticket, thinking that we were obviously all stupid and fell out of trees, managed to get herself a free car, because apparently she's got a heart complaint. Don't get me going on that one. Uh, the Metro today, Ewan McGregor, how readers can help child victims of disasters. And uh, the junior doctors, it's all out war. I'm sure it will be for some of them. Uh, they want war, says Hunt, on the front of the eye. Front of the Times this morning, cabinet split over Brexit cash for striking doctors. Roboshop, now drones, really deliver the goods. And MPs want answers from the retail tycoon. This is Philip Green after the BHS collapse. Uh, a picture on the front page of The Telegraph of Barack Obama and the Hillsborough jury who deliver their verdict today. I think we know what they're going to be saying. Have a fantastic day. Thank you very much indeed for your company. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. You can download this programme as a podcast, which means uh, you have to go to the LBC website and you can find out all the details. It's lbc.co.uk. And you get a free podcast every day on this programme as well as we gently chide some third-rate celebrities and find out just exactly what they're doing in their very shallow existence. 
So go to the LBC website, download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at seven. Nick Farrar is going to be here and joining him today will be the health secretary, Jeremy Hunt. You don't want to miss that. Uh, Coming up next, though, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.